check in Hi, with everyone, Dr. Dr. Mandy Cohen from CDC. Got to stop we it. Are... Sorry, I was I was going to let this play. Check in with Dr. Mandy Cohen for those of you who are listening on podcast. Oh my. Hi everyone, Dr. Mandy Cohen from CDC. And we are only two weeks away from Thanksgiving. And I wanna remind you to take steps right now to protect you and your family from COVID, flu, and RSV before the holidays. I know many folks are thinking, well, I've had COVID or I've already been vaccinated, but this new COVID vaccine is updated to match the changes in the virus and restore protection that does decrease over time. It's similar to the flu shot you get every year. The updated COVID-19 vaccine is recommended for everyone six months and older, and it's free for everyone, either through your insurance or through a CDC vaccine program. You heard right, six months and older. They're available at pharmacies and health centers around the country. These vaccines are safe. They've been through extensive safety review through both CDC and FDA independent committees, mm. academic groups, mm. and more. Mm. If you have concerns, please talk to your doctor or nurse practitioner. So let's all make sure to have a happy and healthy Thanksgiving. Now's the time to get your shots to better protect you from serious illness from these viruses. Make your plan to get your COVID and flu shot today. Be well. Be well. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play that one more time. I, I got to tell you something. Stop, stop, stop. It's enraging. It's enraging. And I observe things that I say maybe I should not be observing. But I know that if I'm observing them, chances are other people as well. We're going to play through this step by step. And just for the YouTube overlords, I'm not giving any medical advice. It's an amazing thing. I don't, I don't deem doctors' professional opinions to be misinformation. Uh, in the absence of a medical degree, YouTube, the non-licensed medical practitioners practicing medicine. I'm just going to pay attention to the verbiage of this CDC broadcast. Check in with Dr. Cohen. Hi, everyone. Hi. Dr. Mandy Cohen from CDC. And we are only two weeks away from Thanksgiving. And I want to remind you to take steps right now to protect you and your family from COVID, flu, and RSV before the holidays. Um, hypothetically, even assuming everything worked as planned two weeks out, would that be enough time to protect you for Thanksgiving? How does it protect you for Thanksgiving, ma'am, doctor? If you can still contract, which is now indisputable fact, how, how does it, oh, it, it protects you by minimizing the risk of severe COVID? I know many folks are thinking, well, I've had COVID or I've already been vaccinated, but this new COVID vaccine is updated to match the changes in the virus and restore protection that does decrease over time. Wh which, which variation, which, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, mutation does this updated COVID shot apply to? Which one is it? Is it the current strain or is it the two strains ago? I don't know. I'm just asking the questions, but wait for the gem. Wait for the gem. It's similar to the flu shot you yeah. get every year. I I'm sorry. I'm not sure that I get the flu shot every year. I'm not sure that six month old kids get the flu shot every year. The updated COVID-19 vaccine is recommended for everyone six months and older. Monsters. How can they recommend, how can anybody do this? You heard Hochul 
out of New York say this? I know it sounds young. Oh, you're, you're damn right, Hochul, it sounds young. And it's free for everyone. Oh, free. It's free. You know what they say? If the product is free, you're the product. Either through your insurance or through a CDC vaccine program. Look how she looks so nice and sweet. She wouldn't possibly be like, you know, up. I don't want to impute negative intentions. But she looks so sweet. She's a great spokesperson. She looks naive, little little bumbly, little cutesy. Like, you wouldn't think that this person would be giving you, you know, potentially questionable professional medical advice. You know, selling out that Pfizer Pharma shot there because Pfizer's uh, bottom line is not looking so good this year. It's funny what happens after the panic uh, quells off and then people start, you know, actually seeing some data. All of a sudden, the product is not so good anymore. Pfizer starts not making the billions that it made in 2021. They're available at pharmacies mm -hmm. and health centers mm -hmm. around the country. These vaccines are safe. Oh, 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 that's interesting. Once upon a time, it was safe and effective. These vaccines are safe. These vaccines are safe. They've I'm, I'm, miss I'm missing a word there. I'm missing a word that I thought I remembered hearing for the last two years. Oh, it went from safe and effective to safe with an asterisk been through extensive safety review through both CDC and FDA independent committees. And they just wanted 75 years, you know, Pfizer to supply that data. Academic groups and more. If you have concerns, please talk to your doctor or nurse. I, I'm, I'm, I'm done with this. And you know what drives me absolutely crazy? And it drives me crazy that I have to notice this. The high necklace focused prominently in between her cleavage on this, on this video. Prominently. You can't miss it. You can't miss it. It's like rubbing it in your face. As if to say, well, we can't criticize her now because any criticism of Dr. Mandy Cohen is going to be chalked up to anti-Semitism now. Any criticism of Albert Bourla is going to be chalked up to anti-Semitism. What better way to shield yourself from criticism? Flaunt your identity politics for the world to see. You know, it's like the people who, as a, yeah, as a Christian, and then proceed to, you know, do certain things. It, flaunting it in your face so that they can shield themselves from the obvious criticism. And my goodness for the product that Mandy is promoting on the people right now. Th this, is, this does damage. This does damage that is irreparable and that is indescribable. I'm sorry I have to notice it, but my goodness, if I notice it, chances are other people notice it as well. Just sitting right there. So nice. While we're selling you a product, uh, it's free though, pushing a product on six months old and up, despite all indications that something is rotten in Denmark. Excess deaths, oh, it's, it's amazing that excess deaths are greater after the Schmanschmendrick than, than during. It's amazing. Keep pushing this crap. So let's all make sure to have a happy and healthy Thanksgiving. Now's the time to get your shots to better protect you from serious illness from these viruses. Oh, of course, of course. Make your plan to get your COVID and flu shots oh, today. She's doing the, she's doing the Bill Clinton. She's doing the, she's doing the Bill Clinton thing with her thumb. A little pointing out here. here. Where is it? Where is it there? Uh, I did not have sexual relations with that woman. This makes me angry and it makes me sick. Oh yeah, and, and by the way, uh, if you get injured, tough shit, can't sue anybody. But they've been immunized. So the product is so safe and so effective, they would only bring it to market if they were immunized from all liability. <sighs> Serenity now. Lord, give me the strength and the wisdom. Give me the courage to change the things I can. The wisdom to, gosh darn it, I forget what it is, and the wisdom to tell the difference between that which I can change and that which I can't. Horrendous. I, horrendous and 
Everybody knows, including her, what she's doing by focusing that high front and center right between her cleavage prominently. Everybody's going to see it. And then they're going to say, oh, my goodness, the backlash that I'm getting, it's only because I'm Jewish. No, you could take you could have taken that off for the for the for the for the your, your video to push that stuff on people. You could have taken it off. You're not giving a religious um, speech. You're not you're not at it. You're not giving a sermon. It had it has no business there any more than a cross prominent. And if there were a cross on there and someone were doing something that you think is sinful, my goodness, you would juxtapose the purported faith with the with the what I would argue is the sinful conduct. Oh, okay. Now, hold on. Before I get into the Super Chats, let me just make sure that we are live everywhere. We're live on Rumble. Are we live on vivabarnslaw.locals.com? We're live on vivabarnslaw.locals.com. Okay, and I I feel guilty having to, I feel guilty making that observation. It's, and, I, oh, and, I'll, and I'll, get, I'll get accused of everything. I was telling someone, you get accused of being a Zionist, an anti-Semite, a left-wing snowflake, a, a far-right extremist. I get, I get accused of all of it in any given day. It's wonderful. And it's not because I'm sitting on a fence, people. It's like I'm not walking in the middle of the, of the, the highway getting hit by traffic from both sides. I, I think I'm just speaking truth, not my truth, the truth. Get accused of everything under the sun. Let me get some uh, Super Chats, Rumble Rats. Oh, the standard disclaimers. No medical advice, no election fortification advice, no legal advice, but I will call out the bullshit when I see it. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I swore twice tonight. I swore twice and I haven't even had any of the Uncle Val's botanical gin, which I'm going to have later on. Oh no, where's my mug? I have, the only reason I have that here is because I wanted to show my mug, uh, the Viva Fry merch. <sighs> okay, Cheryl Gagey, first Anthony, first Anthony Weiner, then Geraldo Rivera, now Judge Engoron. Please, Lord, don't let Hillary Clinton post any nude selfies. Well, as we're going to see tonight, you don't even have to post the nude selfies in order for someone to post nude selfies because you can use AI now to generate fake nudies of people. Just waiting for Viva Nudes to be on the internet. Big Pharma, thou doth protest too much, says Jeremiah underscore Dick Fitzwell. Yes, I don't know, but by the way, I just keep pushing it. It's it's like the it's like that metaphor from the movie on the Rwandan genocide of the children soldiers. You know, the, the children soldiers kill the, you know the first victim, and then they continue to kill more and more. And it's not because it means less and less to them to kill somebody; it's because they wanted to. They want to dull the horrors of what they've done, and they think by killing more, it's going to somehow dilute the horror of what they've done. This is where we're at with with the jibby jab. Is my is my personal belief. Um, oh, USMC, so that's United States Marine Corps boroughs. No election fortification advice, no legal advice, no medical advice. Super chat 30%, rumble 20%, better for creator. Keep up the good work, gents. Sir, thank you very much. And to the extent it was Veterans Day yesterday, thank every veteran out there for their service. Even if I will wildly disagree with their current politics. There was that one where I got into a fight with um, Duckworth. I know her name as Duckworth. I'm not trying to be mean. It was the Duckworth who... who Iraq uh, wounded veteran pushing the war in Ukraine. And I say, oh, pushing the war in Ukraine. Send, send your kids. Don't be a coward. Send your kids to the war. And then uh, people are like, she's a veteran. I like, doesn't, doesn't change the perspective on the current disagreement on politics. But yes, a- and one might want to learn for having served in wars that were built on lies. One would think one would learn about that. That said, no but. Thank every veteran. Thank you for your service. And I hope everyone had a meaningful Veterans Day. I don't think it's supposed to be happy. It's supposed to be meaningful. Shouldn't flu shots be mandatory for public good? I hope. 
Not a band account? I hope that's sort of a joke. But Pasha Moyer, this doctor seems like such a liar. Now I'm not even sure if we are actually about two weeks away from Thanksgiving, like she said. <laughs> Tony Savage, what's the difference between a chickpea and a garbanzo bean? I've never had a garbanzo bean on my face. <laughs> okay, that's good. Thank you. Does that mean the CDC is stating SV40 is safe? I don't know what that means. And one more. I'll answer all locals' questions, 299 to $499, plus legal medical advice, Tony Savage. All right. Barnes is coming sooner than later. But before he gets here, look, we're going to talk about that. Uh, we're going to talk about a number of stuff. Barnes is going to go through the list. Um... What I wanted to talk about was one before, it, it was going to segue into it, but to the extent we have a few minutes now and I've got a ton of stuff on the back burner. I've got my bookmarks for tomorrow's show. <sighs> now, you know, let's just, let's just go with one more that's going to, that's going to irritate everybody. I hear a dog scratching at the door. Uh, I think Greta, people have gotten fed up with Greta Thunberg's garbage. <laughs> listen to this, listen to this. People are fed up. What does it say? I'm fed up with your SHIT. I'll stop right now. This is Greta Thunberg at, I don't know what it is. It says, the crisis is nil, is nu. The crisis is nu. Oh, I don't know what that means. It's not, it's not a language I speak. Listen to this. We have not been listening. The people in power have not been listening. I have come here for a climate demonstration, not a political view. <laughs> I mean... This guy look like, looks like he's had enough, but thankfully not the way that that guy, the American in Panama, had had enough. This guy's like, I came here for a climate stuff. Can you not infuse your ignorant politics in it? And then listen to this. That's not, that's not even the, um, that's not even the kicker. Calm down. Calm down. Calm down, old man. The 18-year-old girl who knows nothing from nothing is talking. Now, what was I saying? Oh, now I come back to saying something about that I know nothing about. Listen to this, listen to this. No climate justice on occupied land. No climate justice on occupied land. We have not been listening. No climate justice on occupied land. It, it, it's a level of stupid that is beyond words. It's a level of disgusting opportunism. People talk about grift, and I don't use the word grifter very often. I believe I've called Greta Thunberg a grifter. No climate crisis on occupied land. Can you think of a more callous, shameless grift than to co-opt the suffering of innocent Palestinians with your climate crisis agenda? A lot of people... Set aside whatever you think about the current flare-up of violence in the Middle East. A lot of people say, where were all of these people during the Syrian massacres? Where were all of these people during the Libyan massacre? Where were all of these people when actual slavery is currently going on in Libya after another successful U.S. intervention in foreign policy? Where were all of these people then? The answer is... 99% of them were not saying a bloody thing. There were no protests in London. There were no protests in Montreal. There were no protests in New York. They were not saying a bloody thing because they don't know a damn thing. And you know what the reality is? They don't know a damn thing about the conflict in the Middle East either. It might be a little bit easier to understand because you're seeing more footage of it. And they think they can separate this into a clear dichotomy. 
They were silent on all of the other crises and international disasters, slaughters, because they didn't care. They had no idea it was going on is the degree to which they don't care. And they had no opinion of it. Why do people care or purport to care or jumping on the bandwagon right now during this conflict? Because they co-opt the suffering of innocent Palestinians for their own politics. Whether that politics is anti-Israel, whether or not that politics is BLM, whether or not that politics is climate crisis. Piggyback off the suffering of innocent people just because it's the it's the, it's the cool one to jump on the bandwagon of. People know jack squat, the last cool one to jump on and pretend you were an, an expert in Eastern European political geopolitics. Ukraine, Russia. Nobody even heard about it. No one knew what happened in 2014. No one has a damn idea what's going on there. But it became the social media craze. Everyone became an expert. Now, it's Israel-Palestine. The third uprising in my life. The third, there were the two intifadas in like 90-something, 2002. These, these, these cycles of violence come, same way plays out every single time. People only care and people pretend to care so they can leech off of the suffering of innocent Palestinians for the no climate crisis on occupied land. <laughs> Disgusting. No other word for it. Oh, but the, at least some people are starting to get a little fed up with her, with her crap. A girl who knows nothing about anything. I don't even know that she graduated from high school yet because she's been on strike for the last three years, four years, five years. Who the hell knows? When was How Dare You? Been on strike, knows nothing, and yet has the most um, radical opinions on the most complex scientific matters and political matters. Oh, okay, before we get into the next story, here's a good low-calorie drink I invented that goes nicely with floral and boreal gins. One-third gin, one-third pure cranberry juice, one-third zero-sugar monster energy drink. <laughs> that would be kick-ass. DTQC. Okay. Um, okay, now, but before we get into it, we'll see where Barnes is. I, I did send him the link. He's got the link. Okay. One of the subjects we're going to talk about tonight is the New York... Um, what do they call it? It's a, he's a vigilante or he's a good Samaritan. Just depends on which side of the political spectrum you're on on this. Uh, the New York guy who pulled a gun fired a couple of warning shots to scare off um, a person who was mugging, a homeless person who was mugging a woman in the metro. Remember, intervene like uh, Daniel Penny. And if the guy dies, you get charged with murder. Uh, don't intervene and... Who was it that just got stabbed to death? I mean, it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's arrested if you do. Dead if you don't. The, out of California, there was one that I saw on, um, I saw it on Dan Bongino, and he was saying this is why everybody needs to know how to use a firearm, know how to protect yourself. And it was this guy who pulled his concealed carry to fight off home intruders in LA. And here, we'll, we'll play it. I don't, this is the best I could find. So here, let's just do this here. Asian caught on camera, here we go. This the is unsuspecting it. homeowner here. winds up pulling a gun on his attackers. We'll see. We'll see if this guy gets charged. <laughs> I mean, but I want what's it's the video that I want to show you because when Bongino played, he says this is like look at this, and I I watched it and I said it almost looks choreographed. Not saying it is. I'm just saying like I'm so cynical right now. I have. Well, we'll get there in a second. Look at this. Terrifying surveillance video shows a masked intruder with a gun run up to this mid-city man about to walk in his front door. The homeowner pulls out his gun to defend himself, firing shots at the two intruders, quickly entering a shootout. I guess they decided to try to come at me and come in the house, but I have a five-month-old baby and a wife, nanny in, in the house, and uh, that wasn't going to happen. There was nothing in my house that was worth dying for, but I was willing to die for my family. The shootout happened Saturday night around 7.30. 
The homeowner walks to the front door, grabbing for his keys. CCTV, perfect, perfect framing. Gate. One intruder runs up to the front door. The mid-city man throws his tee, pulls out his gun, and starts shooting. And I don't know why I felt someone run up behind me, put something to my back, and then... Anyways, so I, I said, on the one hand, it looks choreographed, but that's what practice would be. Anyone who is trained, uh, it is choreographed because you've practiced it over and over and over again. But I've gotten so bloody cynical in my young age. I came across an article where I'm starting to think, I, I'm starting to think, if, if this turns out, if this is going to turn out, who, who the hell knows what's going to turn out to be a, uh, a, not a hoax, but potentially a hoax, or B, is this guy going to end up getting charged by the corrupt city officials who don't prosecute crime? But I saw this article, and is it ABC? Okay, this is the article on the subject. A 43-year-old man has been, no, 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 no. That's the wrong one. That's the other one. Get, get that out of here. Viva, get your notes together. Uh, man charged. No, that's not it. Woman rescued. Decision on 14th Amendment. Oh, here we go. Armed homeowner. Miss Goosey. Yes, I had to go to I had to go to Fox. So in order to use Fox, I went to archive armed homeowner who defended home in shootout unloads on liberal politicians. Not going to care. I read this article and then I started getting a little more suspicious. Like, my goodness, if this turns out to be a choreographed, rehearsed, staged stage type thing, maybe done for a good reason to raise awareness of rising crime in California. I was like, I'm, I'm cynical. But then I read this article. Listen to this. Okay, concealed carry, we're going to go through it really quickly. Every single person I know has gotten stuck up. This guy says, LA entrepreneur Vince Ricci told Fox News, it's not normal. Ricci said he was returning to his gates, his gated Los Angeles home Saturday evening after hitting the gym when the armed men jumped his fence. Out of nowhere, boom, I had a gun to my back. And there was another guy running at me at the same time. I couldn't really make out what he was saying. Okay, fine. The attempted home invasion unfolded just before 7.30 p.m. when Ricci's wife, yada, yada, they were in the home with their five-month-old daughter. Security fact, captured the thing. Los Angeles entrepreneur said he was leisurely walking to his front door while listening to an audiobook that captivated his attention when he noticed men approaching him. The video shows Ricci holding a cup of hot tea, digging out his keys from his pocket when a man wearing a hoodie, aiming a gun, ran up to the homeowner. Ricci, who noted his tea was too hot to drink from at the time, is seen walloping the man in the face with a beverage before pulling his own firearm. It was burning my hand and I couldn't wait to go into the house and put it down. Uh, I effing slammed it into his face, the tea. Ricci, he's a concealed carry, grabbed his gun. This is right. This is right. This is right. He says, I'm not John Wick, but I can handle myself well. As I went to grab the gun, he turned and he's holding my sleeve. I think so I wouldn't hit him. And when I get the gun, I shook him off. He backed up and went to turn around. I charged at him. Okay. This is where, this is where. The other suspect, however, was pulling out his own firearm and squared off for a gunfight. At that point, I knew I was getting shot by the other guy. Uh, Bongino referred to it as a fatal funnel. When you're in a, a, a narrow corridor, he said bullets ride walls, they get stuck. You know, he said you're, you're basically stuck in a corridor and nowhere to go. Okay, but this is it. This is it. Listen to this. At this point, I was getting shot, yada, yada. And this kid was just turning around, pointing to the bottom. Okay, I'll skip through this. A different view. The one kid shot at me. Here we are. The other kid shot twice, and then after that, they hopped over the fence. Ricci said his home has had previously been targeted by criminals. Burglars broke in. Okay. He said a group of criminals have been targeting homes in the neighborhood, driving around in a charger with no license plate. Fine. The owner, the owner said that if it was not for his gun, they could have easily been killed. It saved our lives. He said he and his wife speculated that without the gun, they would have been in bigger trouble. He said living in a liberal city, some might discredit to crucify the gun owners. I know I didn't do anything wrong because I had two chances. I could have shot them both in the back. This is where I started getting suspicious. I know I didn't do anything wrong because I had two chances. I could have shot them both in the back. I chose not to, but in the video, it looks like, oh, they're running away. They weren't running. They were firing back at me. 
Okay, so he's getting fired back at and then chooses not to shoot these people who are firing back at him. Fine. But I'm saying, look, I've just gotten too cynical in my old age. It was, it was the last part here. <laughs> this is where I was like, okay, this... <laughs> Gascon is screwing the cops so much, he's not going to take up the case either way. Even if they do find these kids, Gascon's not going to care that they were shooting at some white guy. Ricci is originally from the Bronx, and he said the repeated crimes he has had to endure in L.A. has forced him to reconsider staying in the city, even the state. I came here for a better life. Here we go, here. The last line. This is not normal. It isn't worth it. I'd rather just go back to living in an apartment building in the Bronx. This would never happen there. Dude, I think we might be in the... We, we might have different impressions of the Bronx. Anyways, I'm getting very cynical. The video is incredible and shows you uh, what being prepared, trained, and also it shows you that you should have a, a situational awareness at all times. Um, flip side, man. If this turn, if it turns out that the DA Gascon investigates him and that this was something of a staged thing for viral, who the hell knows? Oh my goodness, that would be that'd be one hell of a twist. Okay, Barnes is in the backdrop, sir. Are you ready to go, <laughs> Robert? How goes the battle? Good, good. All right. Now uh, you might not be in the good mic. Actually, say that again. Good, good. Oh, okay. You are okay. Um, okay, Robert. Holy cows. Uh, what do we have on the menu for tonight? Oh, for, wait, 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 sorry. What's over your shoulder? <coughs> yes, you have a cold. Yes, yes, indeed. Uh, the uh, <coughs> book is called Reptile. There's a movie on Netflix. It's not bad. It's a similar name. But the book is uh, written by some people who help uh, uh, trial lawyers present to juries. And their point is that the reptile part of the brain is often what really controls jury verdicts. Uh, and that it's important to understand that in order to be able to communicate effectively in how you narrate a story, as was presented very effectively this week in the uh, taking care of Maya verdict that I only found out about uh, from talking to Megan Fox. Uh, and we'll be talking about her case that uh, got a good resolution as well against the Wauwatosa School Board. And then we have the Google trial, which is you know continuing to progress, that big antitrust case. Uh, that's been, you know, Matt Stoller and others are really doing a good job breaking it down on his uh, Substack uh, called Big. Uh, the Good Samaritan case out of New York, uh, the Trump ballot case out of uh, Minnesota, uh, the De Niro uh, assistant verdict in New York. Interesting little spin on that. Steve yep. Bannon's appeal before the D.C. Circuit. Uh, extradition concerning a U.S. soldier in Ukraine. The Young Thug trial and the admissibility of rap lyrics in that case. Uh, AI, two different contexts. One uh, AI software is it uh, is it is, is AI basically stealing software code, and AI in schools. As a kid figured out how to use it effectively uh, as a teenager, to that um, uh, doesn't have to use his imagination anymore. So he can use AI to to figure out what girls look like. Uh, some parents <laughs> not too happy about that, uh, and then the Michigan football lawsuit. All right, now I figure we have to at least can we we'll do the Trump stuff or at least the latest updates on YouTube, and then we'll go over to Rumble, even if that takes one of our subjects out of order. Oh sure, okay. Um, <laughs> Robert, did you see? I don't know if you saw Friday. I had um, Marco Polo, Garrett Ziegler on from Marco Polo, talking about the Engeron nudies, which I guess are not really relevant. Stefanik filed a formal complaint against Judge Engeron in New York. Uh, I might I'll pull up the document tomorrow, but. It looks like at least she's doing it as a citizen and not as a congresswoman. Uh, the the case in in, in anger on, I mean, it's 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 following its course. It's a load of crap. They're going to have uh, the defense presented case next week. Do you have anything like 
you know, any, any observations on what we've witnessed last week in New York? I mean, just there, there, nothing has developed that changed from my original take that this was a purely political case that would not be brought in the other and has no precedent. They have someone who caused no harm to anybody uh, that they're trying to bankrupt uh, based on their interpretation is different than his interpretation of the value of his assets. I mean, it, it, value of assets that, and, and they're, I mean, at, at the worst case scenario, they're claiming Donald Trump got one over and got a good deal from the biggest insurance companies and Wall Street banks in the world. How is that even a crime or a bad act uh, is, is ridiculous. And quite frankly, that claim is preposterous. They're very good. Uh, those Wall Street banks and big insurance companies are very good at defending their own interest. And none of them have supported this. I mean, they, they have no victim at all. Uh, the it, It's purely a political witch hunt with a political prosecutor who got elected saying she would go after Trump and a judge whose uh, oh, his bias was further exposed. Turns out his wife is sharing anti-Trump memes and it turns out the judge is a bit of a weirdo and he's obsessed with in terms of posting, you know, uh, half naked photos of himself to his uh, classmates. After he's done posting his good, good articles about how mean he's been to Eric Trump, he posts uh, bonus torso pics. You, you saw that, right? It was Laura Loomer, I think, who broke the story about yeah. the wife's it's not even an alternative Twitter. It's her Twitter account. Uh, apparently denied having a Twitter account, perhaps because it was X at the time. And is, is like shitting on, on Helena Haba, Alina Haba, who's outside of the courtroom saying like, you know, uh, criticizing her as a lawyer, the son. Apparently Engron's son is in the courtroom and might have been getting some nepotism. I don't know exactly the details of that, but when I do, we'll go over it. It's, it's crazy. What, like, is, is Stefanik is the first person to file a complaint against this judge? I guess so. I guess so. Uh, and the, you know, the credit to her, the congresswoman from upstate New York, uh, that this is an embarrassment. There needs to be more action along those lines. Uh, there needs to be more action from New York state re representatives along those lines that, you know, this judge, this, this whole thing is an utter embarrassment to the state of New York, utter embarrassment to the rule of law, utter embarrassment to the judicial branch as an institution. And the only question is whether somebody somewhere, someplace at some time steps in to put a, put a halt to it. And we'll, we'll find out. All right. Now, Colorado, there's no verdict yet, but there were two uh, judgments that came. I think it's Michigan and New Hampshire, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, the, well, New Hampshire was just a secretary of state decision. Minnesota was the only court that I'm aware of to issue a decision. On, on the removing Trump from the ballot. Yeah. Okay, and so they, they determined not to, they, they, they uh, dismissed the suit, so they're not going to remove Trump from the ballot, at least the, the uh, primary ballot. Open question still for the general? Correct, yeah. I mean, what the Minnesota court recognized is what has always been recognized as the case, which is that a uh, primary ballot, party ballot, is de determined by the party, not determined by the state. And so unless Colorado's going to interpret the law differently, its own law differently, well, the the same logic would apply in any of these ca cases or context. Okay. The uh, I, I think it's very put it this way: they're going to have to do something they've never done before, which is remove someone from the ballot that's a popular candidate. No court has ever done that in American history. So, which you know the are the so you might get a rogue decision here or there. The question is whether the appeals and Supreme Courts will approve it because it's it's just going way past all barriers. So you can get a liberal judge in D.C. or in New York or New York City or in Denver, Colorado or in Minneapolis to issue crazy rulings because they're in overwhelmingly Democratic jurisdictions. They know there'll be no blowback. But getting a appellate court, Supreme Court, federal court to go along with that 
again, they're going to have to do something that they've never done before. It'll be it'll yeah. be the 50th time this year, Robert. I, mean, that's I, know, the- I know. I mean, that that that's the concern is that the court system is so long gone that it uh, will be complicit openly and overtly. I mean, it's one thing to not intervene like the 2020 election. That's very different than affirmatively intervening and taking someone off the ballot. And so my the, guess is that ultimately courts won't go along with that. So the rationale is they can't take them off the primary ballot because that's a party decision, but open yep. question for the general. Right. Uh, they're, that they're gonna... decision wasn't before them. Okay. The, uh, but it's highly unlikely. It, it just, because of the historical, there's no legal basis to do it uh, as the history reflects and represents. So the, uh, I mean, and it'll be, there'll be two ballot access issues. There'll be Trump's ballot access issues as Democrats try to prohibit him from getting access to the ballot prohibit voters from picking him. And I'm sure that it's coming with Robert Kennedy. I'm sure there's going to be multiple efforts to keep Robert Kennedy off the ballot as an independent candidate. And uh, they're going to use a lot of crazy laws uh, that uh, are on the books along those lines. Now, the problem is constitutionally, to give an example, the only two times a state official tried to keep a relatively popular candidate off the ballot was 1968, both cases, state of Ohio, uh, tried to keep George Corley Wallace off the ballot in 1968, and then they tried to keep John Anderson off the ballot in 1980. Both cases went up to the U.S. Supreme Court. Both cases, the U.S. Supreme Court ordered the state to put the candidate back on the ballot. And it's and it's because of the recognition. Ballot access is supposed to be about voter choice. And the whole premise behind ballot access limitations are complete garbage. They're just If you read the history, historically, we didn't have secret ballots. You know, we had public ballots for the first century of America's history. The secret ballot, the Australian secret ballot, as it was then known, didn't come about until the end of the 19th century. And it was pitched as a way to help voters have anonymity in the process. And in fact, what it was always done, it was used as a tool to monopolize the ballot. You didn't, the state didn't use to publish the ballot. Through most of American history at our beginning, the state never published a ballot. Private parties published ballots, gave it to you to take to the ballot. Well, what did that do? That empowered political machines, particularly... Uh, politi- and political apparatus for illiterate voters and, and others that they, if someone they relied upon could give them a ballot and they could go in there with it. And the real goal of the secret ballot was not what they said it was to protect voter anonymity. The real goal of the secret ballot was to, for the state to take over publishing of the ballot, prohibit private publishing of the ballot, to break the back of political machines and various populist rebellions in the, in the end of the 1890s and early 1900s. But the and they said they would never use it to exclude people from the ballot. But by golly, they started doing exactly that by 1912. Now, the courts have recognized it's never been legal and constitutional. And that's why they you know, the courts, they get away with it. They find some lame pretext that doesn't go up to the appellate food chain. And mostly you don't get meaningful adjudication on these cases. Uh, Justice Scalia, when he was alive and others and liberal judges agreed in some notes that came out decades later from their private sessions of the Supreme Court that the so-called telephone book excuse was complete gar- garbage. And that's the, it says, man, if we don't exclude frivolous candidates from the ballot. <laughs> it'll be as long as a phone book. Yeah, it'll be as long as a phone book. And that will, by golly, that will confuse the poor voter. And I've always said telephone book doesn't confuse <laughs> nobody. That's the, the one most wonderful form of organization that exists on the planet. Yeah, so, so long as it's in alphabetical order, it doesn't confuse yeah, exactly. anybody. It makes it easy. The only place that the most free ballot we've ever had in American modern history is the California gubernatorial race, recall race that Arnold Schwarzenegger won. I think there were like 82 or 90. I don't know. Some, it didn't confuse anybody. The American people are not confused by having too many choices. 
And it's obvious hogwash. And that's why judges invent bogus doctrines. Like, well, you can't sue now because it's not ripe. Uh, the, here's how I always put it. I learned from all the bogus standing excuses in election cases. If you sue in spring, it's not ripe. If you sue in summer, by golly, it's moot. And if you sue in fall, it's latches and you should be sanctioned. The uh, it, There's no good season to sue, it turns out. It's always too early or too late. Uh, there's no magical window in between. So, And they do that because they know they're full of it. They're just helping the two-party system exclude their opponents. When I represented Ralph Nader in 2004, it was the Democratic Party and the Republican Party conspiring to keep him off the ballot, which might seem odd to people. But it's because they recognize that breaking up the two-party system was more dangerous to each party than the other party was. Uh, George Bush was more, and the Bushites were more worried about a Ralph Nader third-party movement than they were John Kerry winning. Uh, the it, they would be they would be willing to accept John Kerry winning to make sure Ralph Nader didn't get build a third-party independent movement in the country. It was Republican judges and Republican secretaries of state that went to great efforts to keep Ralph Nader off the ballot, conspiring with Democratic corporate lawyers who had been working for three years to keep him off the ballot. So you're going to see that. So but constitutionally, every honest judge knows it's bogus. So you get, you know, judges who convince themselves that there's they, they use the it's a self-justification ration, uh, rationalization. So they say because we now print the ballot as the state. And because we print the ballot early for the convenience of soldiers overseas and other people, then we need this real early deadline. And we have to have all these signatures. Why exactly do you need all these signatures? Like, why, why do you need 100,000 plus signatures in some states to get on the ballot? By the way, many of these rules didn't exist in 1992. Ross Perot easily got on the ballot. That's when all of a sudden a bunch of states said, oh, we need to make sure how people get on the ballot here in America. But how many? It's not like they have. Even in Canada, you have like nine parties. You have the Green Party, the Marxist, uh, NDP, Conservative, Liberal. At least, I mean, I can name five or six. It is how many? How many have there been, Robert? There's only. Like, well, you keep you keep the a lot of the states keep uh, third parties from having ballot access. So Arizona is notorious for this. I've sued them repeatedly on behalf of the Green Party. They go to great lengths to try to keep the Green Party off the ballot. With the same thing, it's they make it very costly. So they make it so you have they, they limit who can circulate petitions, who can sign petitions, when you can circulate petitions, when you can sign petitions. And then, unlike our 2020 election, they're very strict about those signature matches. On average, uh, over half of the signatures you gather will be struck down. Now, most of those everybody knows are legit, but it's just the person forgot how they signed or they changed. You know, it's a marginal difference. That's why I would telling everybody if you if they applied the same standards to get access to the ballot to the 2020 ballots there was no way they could say biden won that election mm -hmm. none and they all knew it that's why they were pitching red herrings on dominion and everything else uh was to keep people away from looking at the glaring evidence that rebutted their claims of the best election ever uh but yet all of this is and so how you like forever uh, and there's still some states that do this by the way they ban they prohibit people who are not residents from circulating petitions uh, that's been illegal for forever, unconstitutional for forever. But you have to sue over and over again to get courts to stop it. And courts go to great lengths to try to avoid ruling on the topic. They, uh, you know, with their mootness, latches, ripeness, excuses and pretext to hide and dodge and run for cover. Um, the it, It's just the normal, natural course of it. So the, the get him, I mean, in Colorado, it's to get him off the primary ballot. 
And the issue there is that should not be within a court's jurisdiction in the first instance. It's really well, not it, in the court's jurisdiction in any instance. The court should be in a place to put people on the ballot. It should never be in the place to take people off of it. The, the Colorado, it's it's both, though, right? It's primary and general. From, no, just from, primary because they, he's not on the general election ballot yet. So they, they get there they admit there's no there's no lawsuit to bring. How do you bring a ballot challenge of a general election ballot that isn't formed yet? That that won't be formed until the primaries are over. So at this point, the only ballot he's on is the primary ballot. That was Minnesota court's point. They're like, there's no basis to adjudicate something that we have no idea if it'll even happen. Um, at least that that is there's no cause of action. I wouldn't use the standing doctrine they use or the ripeness excuse they use. There's no cause of action to to complain about somebody being on a ballot they're not on yet. There's just no cause of action. I love people in the chat. I, I know it's sarcastic, but like, what's up? They're saying, what's a phone book? People don't realize once upon a time, if you knew someone's name, you could find their address, telephone number, postal code. You just go in and then you could find big, out. Big, big yellow phone book. Yeah, but well, we had the white pages for residential and yellow pages for commercial. And like, you could, everyone complains about privacy now. Someone could find out where you lived just by knowing your last name. And if, and if it wasn't in the book, you could call the operator. You dial zero. And your phone number. Yeah, no, no, nuts, nuts. Uh, okay, so no more for Trump. There was uh, Judge Cannon, uh, the Florida stuff. I mean, we can we'll come back to that. It's clear uh, that the Florida case is not going forward anytime soon, and they didn't want it to once they had the DC judge. And um, and who else was then? We got the oh yeah. Well, Chutkin's going to push that trial going forward as fast as she can. Uh, what uh, else? And I guess Trump is seeking for the first time. I don't know if a federal court proceeding has ever been televised. But Trump is seeking in the media wants it to be televised. Interesting that Jack Smith doesn't, right? Well, what is Jack Smith so scared of? He's got a judge in his pocket, jury pool in his pocket, and yet he's terrified of the world watching that trial. It's there there is no good excuse. I mean, it's it's only suspicious and it's only evidence of the corruption. I mean, they want they want to leak certain stuff that, you know, while Trump is being gagged, and they don't want transparency for the trial itself. Oh my goodness, that would be that would be epic. I'll, I'll make my uh, I'll make my wish that they actually someone asked whether it. I can pronounce the Russian names in the phone book. I can't pronounce English names, in the phone book, so the uh, pronunciation is not my strong point. Okay, we're going to do link to Rumble. We got twenty three hundred people watching here. How many do we have on Rumble? We're at hold on. We were at twelve thousand. We're going to be at sixteen thousand soon. So let's see this number come down once. Um, VivaBarnesLaw.locals.com for the after party. Robert, I won't go too late because you look, you know, you're under the weather. Uh, but we will get to the chats. Um, and one last question before we head on over. I heard, well, I was listening to your bourbon with Barnes as I was driving back from the third RNC debate. If you have a, a 30 second summary of what you thought of it, or in as much as the uh, recaps know, of it, the only guy that understands the Republican electorate is the uh, guy who's is the Indian guy. You know, I mean, that, that, I mean that, that sums up where the Republican Party is as a party, that the only person who is talking to the actual voters is the guy that's the least connected to America and American politics, and that he can read an electorate and he can respond accordingly, whereas the rest of them up there, you know, are, are appealing to are talking to donors, talking to publishers, talking to people who could hire them in the future, give them money in the future not talking to voters because voters don't want the George W. Bush party and uh, that they, they, they seem either clueless about that or don't care.
because they're really running for their pocketbook. They're not running for the American people. That That is, you know, people accuse Vivek of running for the VP, and I don't even think that, I'm not sure that he would accept it, even if that's was the case, but it's clear. Christie is running for his CNN career. Haley's running for whatever the hell. DeSantis didn't have the worst night, but just, I mean, you compare him to the energy of Vivek. And yeah, first yeah. generation tech, youngest guy in the field, understands the points and has the... Oh. I, I do understand say. why Dave Rubin likes uh, DeSantis. Uh, he likes a guy in heels. Oh, Barnes. <laughs> Cue Just the horn. Joke, Dave. Just wah, wah, But, you know, Trump was <laughs> imitating no. uh, DeSantis walking. So Trump is clearly, in, despite all the insanity of everything he's going through, he stays in good spirits. He he, he remains unfazed. Oh, I, you saw him at the... his uh, imitation of, you know, walking on your front end heels, which was funny. Who, who, uh, I'm trying to think. No, it was it was Trump at the UFC last night. I mean, the, the guy, it's it's incredible. The weight of the world on his shoulders and the weight of the government against you and, yeah. and, and gets a cheer from everyone except for Bill Burr's wife. All right. What we're going to do is we're going to end it on YouTube, coming over to Rumble. And then if you, oh, hold on a second. Actually, if you want to go over straight to Locals, vivabarneslaw.locals.com, we had our sixth um, locals conversation with a supporter and it was fantastic on Friday. If anybody wants to go to vivabarneslaw.locals.com you can watch it there. Now we're ending on YouTube because they no longer deserve our presence. The entire stream will be up tomorrow and uh, podcast version yada yada yada. Rumble 3, 2, 1 now. Vivek equals Soros. Come on. I mean, I, I understand. No. I, okay, I don't, I don't agree. I don't agree. The only I mean, is, I don't really like trust Vivek, but he's, a, he's the smart uh, just because you know doesn't have enough of a background to 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 know for sure who and what he would be in in actual power, but at least he understands his audience. I mean, I mean, he, he's he he's he's a good mark, clearly a good marketer, and he understands his audience. Nobody else up there seems to. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, DeSantis has been terrible, just terrible. I mean, I thought it was an idiotic decision to run, but I didn't expect him to be this poor a candidate. Uh, that it's just bad. I mean, Nikki Haley's doing neocon. Nikki's doing neocon. Nikki, mm -hmm. so no, no surprise there. Tim Scott is still boring and bland. Christie's he's, still he's, on his Trump hatred tour. Tim Scott uh, has gotten more boring as it goes on. I mean, he, he seems like a genuinely nice person. Uh, and in genuinely boring, like watching tea get cold. Except if it's but, in that you video, know, like finding out that he, DeSantis, has little heels inside the heels. That's it's the kind of thing that's going to stick with him. You know what I mean? It's it. Trump's going to tattoo him with it, and it, and he's not going to be because that was this, uh, Vivek. People miss that part of Vivek's line because of the reaction to his first part of it. But he said, you know, we got two people up, two Dick Cheney's up here with three inch heels. It was it was a crack at both of them. That was more applicable. DeSantis hasn't, you know, he hasn't gone against the war. He hasn't gone with the war. He's been he's tried to middle his way through. That everybody else up there has been, other than Vivek, has been the big war horse. Yeah. I mean, especially Nikki Haley, uh, but Christie and Tim Scott as well. But it's, I think their ratings were terrible. I mean, poor luck for Rumble that they get the exclusive to the Republican debates the very year that they are the least interesting Republican debates because of Trump's lack of presence in them. Um, if Trump had been in them, they, they would have been massively viewed. But without without Trump, that they're not going to be. But the I don't know. I mean, I get what the others are doing. They're they're lining their pockets for the future. 
DeSantis is just committing political uh, suicide. So I don't understand why he stays in. He, and he, he, he would not have been able to run again for governor regardless. So he right. could have, in theory, finished out his term, been the most beloved. Well, he, could have been, he, he had uh, an offer on the table to be Trump's VP and run early as, as a combined ticket. And he turned it down. So the uh, one of the dumbest political decisions in history. The uh, and instead, not only you know turned it down, he now burned and torched every uh, bridge he could have. To tr There's no way Trump's not going to take anybody other than maybe Vivek, but I don't see him taking Vivek either. To be honest with you, um, he's Trump's going to look at him and be like, "Man, nobody can spell that dude's name anyway." So I mean, I know that sounds terrible, but it's just political reality. He um, Vivek had the uh, he he decided to market the scum remark. So he he, he put out a, a cup that says rebel scum. I think they I know that like, knows marketing. How is it you could study Trump for like six years, all these other Republicans and not know marketing at all? They're campaigning like it's 2004. Well, I it, it, Vivek might be a good marketer. And if they decided to yeah. run rebels rebel scum on two lines because it would have what it what it would have looked like had they run it on one line. Rebel scum, rebels. Anyways, I think it's oh. still a bad. It's still a bad thing. I think they should have done it, but like at least they put it on two separate lines, so there would not yep. have been any reading. Sorry, that's that's what I saw. I was like, yeah, maybe you could have gone uh, with a different, a I, different. I, I, I wonder what the where you're going with that. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. Oh. I, I, I'll confess, I did not put that together. Uh, when I read it, I was like, oh, well, it's it. When I read the the name Clint, I always have the same thought process. Like certain words, if you put the letters too close together, it, it can uh, be very bad. Right. Um, all right, uh, Rob, on that note, let's get into the, uh, the rest. Oh, well, of what we had we... a big, uh, big settlement, big win, which will also transition into the biggest verdict of the week. Uh, but, um, uh, Megan Fox, uh, the, we'll talk about the case she was covering the taking care of Maya case that I didn't know about until she told me about, but, uh, she sued the Wabatosa school board. And thanks to Nick Bricada, we helped uh, fundraise to cover the, you know, the cost of the filing fees and all that jazz service fees, et cetera. Uh, and I mean, what happened is the school board cut her off and the school board was demanding a bunch of things uh, and saying they had a power to basically limit the public forum from criticism, which they don't have the constitutional power to do. And a lot of school boards and local governments think they do and they get away with it a lot. And Megan Fox wanted to bring suit. So we brought suit against the Wauwatosa school board. Wauwatosa settled. They agreed they were in the wrong. And they not only paid the attorney's fees and, and paid some, uh, I think Megan called it some Applebee's money uh, to Megan for the inconvenience of having to file suit, but also change their policies going forward. And they'll change their policies in a way that will impact school boards across the country because other insurers follow these kind of cases and borrow the changes that were made here. Um, and the they issued her an apology, which is almost completely unheard of. You almost never hear these politicians admit they got anything wrong. And so they issued a public written apology to Megan Fox. So congratulations to her. Congratulations to the First Amendment. It will have a bigger, broader impact going forward. And it was a fun little case to do. The uh, They settled immediately after the filing. It didn't get further into the proceedings no, than that? Yeah, not too long afterwards. Um, the, uh, uh, I mean, it, we filed about a year ago. Uh, so, But the settlement, they were willing to settle early on. And then it was getting the best terms. Uh, I had a question that stemmed from that, but I think I forget it now, so forget about it. Um, in case she was covering, I didn't know anything about oh, it. Oh, this is um, 
what was it called again? Hold on. It was uh, taking care of Maya. Taking the care next of Maya. So, so I, I'm going to go watch that. I don't know if I want to watch it because it's it's the most depressing, even just reading the, the, the synopsis of it. But this is a case of a, of a girl who has diet comes down with random sort of generalized a pain. rare disease, yeah. a rare disease, goes to a hospital where the hospital deems there to be the risk of a potential of parental abuse. Yeah. Um, they in get, fact, they, they basically suggest the kid is faking it and that it's Munchinson syndrome and that the parent is manipulating the kid into thinking they're sick when they're not. Okay. Um, and then, and then they basically much worse from there. Yeah. Well, then, then they, they basically prevent the parents from, from visiting her. They lock her up. They, they start, I don't know what giving, I don't know. They what lock up is. the little girl for months on end. Yeah. She was, she was fifth. What was she at the time? Uh, she's 23 now. I think she was 16 at the time. Give or take some, 15, 16. A teenage girl is a young teenage girl is my recollection. Locked up for three months. I, in fairness, I mean, I think cut off from the, her parents. And one of the things that it's like what Jordan Peterson describes, it's a certain kind of pain syndrome that touching your skin just causes shocks of pain. They were constantly doing this to her all the way through. They were basically torturing her for three months. Yeah, I'm trying to find the the name of the disease. I'll get the name of the disease in a bit. Torturing her for three months. Her condition got worse. She ended up being wheelchair bound in the hospital when her parents were finally allowed to see her. Uh, they were so devastated that the and after months of being accused of child abuse, the yep. mother took her own life two days after seeing her daughter for the first time in three months, seeing the condition that she was in. Uh, they sued. I thought, Robert, in this case, that there was a, a something of a court order suggesting that there was parental abuse, or there was some there was some order on which the hospital was relying in an attempt yeah. to try to absolve them of, of responsibility. Now there are a couple of problems. The big problem when uh, Megan Fox was breaking it down, and, and if you want more detailed coverage, go to Megan Fox's channel. She's she did extensive, expansive coverage of this. This is all about child welfare authorities and the complicity of hospitals and medical profession with the child welfare authorities, because it was a child welfare doctor that did the diagnosis. Here was the problem. The hospital wanted money for reimbursement. So while they were, while the child welfare doctor was telling the courts there, that there, this can, she doesn't have this particular condition. It's made up by the mother to have control over the child. They were telling the insurance company, the child does have this condition. Please pay us the bills. So I mean, I mean, once once Megan Fox told me that, I was like, oh, they're going to be DOA in front of a jury. You, you you say one thing to line your pockets, and another thing to falsely accuse a mother of 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 extreme child abuse and torture a child for three months. Well, what, I mean, that's, what, this is Johns Hopkins, by the way. This is one well, of the biggest, most important hospital facilities in the world. What is their explanation? We that we actually believe she was being abused, but we saw a good opportunity to get some get some coin. Basically, I mean, once I heard that, it was like there's going to be no compelling excuse to the jury for that combination. You can't do both. You if, if you're going to go out on a limb and accuse a parent of abuse, you can't turn around and line your pockets by saying that there is no such abuse by the very nature of your invoice. Uh, but it shows, but it's classic hospital contradiction. They'll do whatever it takes to get paid and at the same time assert their and misuse their power. And this is why I tell people in the trans and other contexts, be very wary of giving the government power over a child compared to parents that, you know, it tends to get abused. My experience with child welfare people is almost universally negative. The, uh, and, and that's from representing abused kids. That the, the the usually what it is it's people that are abusers uh, become child welfare workers. They love their authority, 
So what you had here was someone who was looking for that, looking for an excuse, looking for they're, they're searching it out and they love the authority. They're accusing the parent of what they're doing, like Munchinson syndrome. That's what the child welfare official did here by making up that the person didn't have a disease so that the child welfare official could have all the power. They love wielding this power, of taking kids away from people. They just love it. I mean, they, they, they cling to it. Um, that's why Mike, Mike uh, and Megan Fox, who covers this extensively and expansively in a wide range of context, uh, concurred. I was like, my conclusion was we were better. We are better off as a society with no child welfare services. That because child welfare is such a negative presence in so many people's lives that it is far more likely they're going to be a negative presence than a positive presence. Where they're actually needed in extreme abuse and neglect circumstances, they often are not present or they reinforce the injury. While they constantly intervene in contexts they have no business in. It's child welfare officials pushing the envelope, forcing people to accept you can't have a foster kid unless you agree with trans ideology. All this nonsense. It's coming from the state. We shouldn't give the state this power. That yes, there'll be parents who mishandle their kids, but I trust parents more than I trust the state. I'll take the risk that parents screw up more than I'll take the risk that the state has that power in the first place. I think it's like an iteration of Parkinson's law for anybody who doesn't know, like Parkinson's law of mundanity is bored, you know, sitting around a board when people can talk about the most complex matter and they'll spend five minutes on it, but they'll spend an hour talking about where to put the water cooler because it's easier for everyone to have an opinion on that. Parkinson's law also that the time it takes to complete a task will expand to fit the time you have to complete the task. So if you have one hour, you'll do it in one hour. If you have all day, you'll do it all day. That's definitely in, true. <laughs> in this case, it's like the hospitals and the authorities, they'll pick on the people who are easy to pick on and they will ignore the ones who they who they know are the criminals or the ones that will fight back or the ones that will be hard to pick on. Just like they, you know, they'll go after the Jan Sixers because they're easy targets, but they won't go after border uh, illegal immigrants defecting into society because it's easy to pick on the people who are going to be the law-abiding ones or at least the ones who are not breaking the law. So I'll, I'll think you. of an iteration there, but... Good credit to the plaintiff's lawyers, because this was a case on paper that would be difficult because you're dealing with state government actors. You're dealing with judicial orders. So, you know, you're dealing with medical, you know, medical malpractice is very broad. And they came up with creative theories of emotional distress and other torts that they were able to establish beat motions to dismiss. And a jury that heard all the evidence was so shocked by it. They issued a, a $261 million verdict. $210 million compensatory, $51 million, um punitive and i shared megan's link i accidentally shared the youtube version but i shared her her rumble channel so megan fox um and they're going to appeal it well, i mean they'll appeal how does it work if it's a jury verdict uh, of damages are, are there caps a, on it, i mean it depends by state the uh, often there's uh, i don't think there's any applicable caps in this context a lot of medical malpractice contexts there are but i don't think it applies to the particular tort they brought here um, and so the, I mean, there'll be appeals and we'll see what the appeals courts do, but it seems to me the case is pretty soundly brought. It's just, it's I mean, just... I mean, once it, again, to me, the smoking gun was you, you couldn't bill the insurance company saying she's got the disease and tell the courts and the mother, she doesn't have the disease. So the degree they basically kidnapped and assaulted the kid for three months. And, apparently and it was the worst. I mean, imagine doing that to a conscientious, vulnerable mother. It's your fault your kid is in this position and you're abusing her. And you gaslight her for three months while you're busy billing the insurance company 
saying actually the exact opposite. You know, and, and and torturing the kid by account yeah. she was touched improperly without consent, and then the mother visits her for the first time after three months, and then and most people take... don't know you take your kid to. The, I mean, I'm not a hospital fan for a reason. Um, you know, it, hospitals shouldn't have the power to be able to seize kids in the first place. Uh, the, I, I'm just not in favor of that situation. It also discourages and dissuades people from getting treatment when they need it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's other versions of Good Samaritan laws that allow you to call 911 or other things or go to a hospital and report, like, say, a drug overdose without any legal consequence. The, uh, the you know, Those things should be present. And this was this all goes back to there shouldn't be mandatory reporting laws either. That And I understand what the theory was, but I've seen it backfire over and over again. So the, what these mandatory uh, tri uh, reporting laws are that if you have a reasonable basis to believe the person you're treating uh, is a victim of abuse, that you have to report it or you could lose your license. Well, what does that do? It leads to kids and people that might think they would be labeled that to not seek out any treatment. That's all mm -hmm. it does. It doesn't dramatically increase the probability that an abuser is stopped. Uh, it, it often increases the consequences of that abuse by not getting or receiving necessary treatment. Also, for people that have, you know, that are through treatment can, you know, do better, um, that, you know, people who just lost their temper or, you know, other people came up with a different culture because there's abuse that's for power. There's abuse that's kind of culturally, it's, you know, physical. Oh, it's certain kinds of spanking, for example, is completely common in certain parts of American culture. It's considered abuse today. So if, if you want to, you can, you know, those are people that, you know, easily could go through treatment and succeed. Problem is uh, they can't go to the treatment. They go to the shrink or counselor and they disclose this. Boom. It's automatically reported. So the, the problem is this whole child welfare. It's, a, it's an excuse like everything else for the state to seize power. So it's what it always is, whether it's helping poor people, vulnerable people, helping, you know, freedom around the world. There's always some noble pretext to give the government all your power. And it always backfires. And it happened badly, horrendously here. And at least here, there's some monetary consequence they'll suffer for what they did that might deter future people from doing it. And I'm going I'm to get to the rumble rants before they get too uh, not unmanageable. Uh, V6 Neon says, to quote Douglas McMurray on Twitter, it seems that we've gone to the stage where all British patriots are called far-right thugs and all Hamas supporters peaceful protesters. Via v Neon, V6 Neon says, Viva, just call them airbags as she was full of hot air and after that car crash. Now, hold on. What was that about? Okay, doesn't matter. I'll, I'll think about that one afterwards. If you're still waiting for AI-generated Viva News, that can be arranged, says Finboy Slick. <sighs> be careful what you wish for. <laughs> Kenzie67, Viva, please ask Barnsey to not opine on Israel-Palestine. His bloodthirsty defense of the ethnic cleanse. I'm going to read it, Barnes. You don't have to. We don't. I'm going to read it because it's a, it's a rumble rant. His bloodthirsty, and I don't agree with the description, but I'll just, bloodthirsty defense of the ethnic cleansing of Palestinian psychopaths was incredibly disappointed. Get well soon, Bobby. Take vitamin C. Stefano GGGGG, and I hope this is not a typo like the extra G's in your name. Viva, I appreciate your show. Would love to see you engaging on your Truth Social account. We need to support these free speech platforms. Thank you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. I, notice, I get notifications. I just haven't truthed. T1990. Barnes, when it comes to the truth, about antitrust, you should check out the book, The Myth of the Robber Barons. I think you've talked about that. Ryu Kirito 1, the president of the U.S. won't go visit East Palestine, Ohio, and takes weeks to go to Maui, but goddamn, gosh, gosh, damn, god, I lost it. Goddamn, after several hours of that, I-10 in California, the president and Biduje will visit California. What happened, uh, 
What happened up there? Chris Creed doesn't stand a chance. Donald Duck, get out of here with that nonsense wannabe jerk. Uh, that was from ZT Williams, who has another one. Political Truly WWE Wrestling. Case in point, DeSantis and the Heels. Rockahora, I remember Rockahora, how you doing? Don't forget they stripped the 10-year-old girl, locked her in a room, and took pictures of her, none of which went into her medical record. Holy crap. And Alex David Duke, John Hopkins is where gender I- John Hopkins is where gender ideology was started with Mr. Do- with Dr. Money. Was that his name? And the freak that destroyed David Reimer. Okay, or Reimer. Um, okay, so now, Robert, I know I don't know the latest on the next one, which is um, the Google trial. What, so, yeah, what's the, what, the Google antitrust? What's, what's, the, what's the update on that? So uh, Matt Stoller's big substack is uh, following it in detail. This is the one pending in the District of Columbia over, uh, brought by the Justice Department over whether or not uh, Google is a monopoly and whether they have abused that monopoly power. Yes that, and yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The uh, I think we're in the fourth month of the trial. So the Google defense is to well, the the key allegations are that they have a monopoly in the in the internet search market. They have a monopoly in the search advertising market. Both of those, and the uh, and there's been plenty of evidence adduced for that. And that one of the ways they abuse their monopoly power was by setting themselves up as defaults in deals with Apple and Samsung and others uh, so that they're the default app and the default search mechanism for anybody with uh, a web browser or phone browser or anything else. And then abusing that power in other ways to deny other people the opportunity to scale. They recognize scale is critical to being able to be profitable. And so they go to great lengths to deny people scale. Much like YouTube goes to great lengths to deny will, with Google, who owns YouTube, a rumble scale, right? By mm-hmm. you, you searching Google, try to find a rumble video. Uh, uh, even if the rumble video is the most popular and the most viewed, doesn't show up in the Google search. That's why rumble has a suit against Google as we speak in California for similar and comparable violations is being reported as customary and commonplace here in the federal court proceedings. So uh, Google's defense is to pretend they don't really have a monopoly, to, def- to, to pretend scale doesn't really matter, to pretend all these things they spend billions of dollars on every year don't really have any consequence. They have to. Uh, the other problem Google has is, unlike Alex Jones, who was falsely accused of this, Google actually did destroy evidence. Uh, the government lawyer had a good line early in the case saying that, uh, you know, everybody knows about Internet history. Well, Google decided to delete their history so that they could make up their own in this trial proceeding. So the, that is by itself very damning, all the evidence that Google has destroyed and deleted uh, any track or trace of that would prove the, their knowledge and culpability uh, as to what everybody knows they were doing, which was building monopoly, misusing and abusing that monopoly for their own uh, profit to the detriment, not only of the public consumer, but to the information consumer, to the open, fair, transparent election individual, because this Google's power goes way past economics. Well, I, Robert, like I, I, I wasn't conscious during the Netscape or the Microsoft, uh, which one was it? The Bill Gates uh, antitrust suit back in the back of the time. I yep. do know that there was an issue about tying. H- how is that not just cut and dry, black and white in this in this Google case? It's not just that they uh, that they demand that their apps be pre-uploaded. 
but be undeletable. I mean, oh, and they only have 85% of the market share. I mean, everyone knows DuckDuckGo and what's the other one, Brave? What do do they have? 0% of the market share, nothing meaningful. So they have a monopoly of fact. Well, then they want to call it that. And it's not just that they contract their apps to be preloaded, but undeletable. How do they get around that in terms of antitrust? They try to pretend that the market's a different market. So they say the market is the advertising market globally. Not the search advertising market, but all advertising of all kinds. Billboard, television, radio ads. So if you do that, if you, that's how you define the market, now they no longer have a monopoly presence. So the, their goal is to redefine the market in ways counter to counterintuitive. Uh, the same with the search market. If you co- if you say, well, let's look at the library market. Let's let's include every kind of method and mechanism of search one might conduct, other than the internet. Then you can you know redefine it so you're no longer a monopoly. Bullcrap. They still they still have. You can include libraries, uh, microfiche. They still have a monopoly. <laughs> uh, agreed. So the uh, but that's how they're trying to evade it. Then the second argument they're trying to claim is that it doesn't hurt the consumer. All these things they're doing that it helps the consumer, that it benefits the consumer, that it profits the consumer to have information limited and their prices increased and their services restricted and competition not present. So it, it now the only X factor is it's an Obama judge. So on paper, some of them were better on antitrust than Republican judges, but Obama was notoriously in bed with big tech and a huge fan of big tech. So the it's an open question which way this judge is going to go. More than enough evidence has developed for him to break up Google uh, and to do more damage to Google than they did to Microsoft with Bill Gates. And I mean, like, for example, probably one of the required remedies is that Google sell off YouTube and mm-hmm. no longer control YouTube. That would be massive in the in the video space. If YouTube was back to just being a regular competitor and not Google controlled. Look, am I not, am I being just naive or too cynical in that? That would be illusory. Like it's not because the FBI wasn't part of Twitter that it was influencing Twitter. So, okay, fine. You'll have two separate companies. Whether or not you have overlapping shareholders, they'll have two distinct legal entities that will be colluding with one another as though they were part and parcel of the same overarching uh, enterprise. Maybe, maybe. I mean, the when you break it up in this way, they they do have completely independent ownership and their degree of collusion is limited because that would violate the same antitrust laws. So usually there's those restrictions are put in okay. place. So the uh, it, it worked at least with Microsoft. Microsoft was in a place to monopolize the browser market and they, they ended up a tiny share of the browser market. OK, that's good enough. How long is the trial scheduled for? Do you know? Uh, I think another m- month or two. Jeez, that's a long time. My dad was involved in a fi- in a trial. It literally went on for years. You could look up Castor Holdings in Canada. Uh, it, it went on for years where they had one expert testify. I want to say for something like 18 months. The expert was, t- it was uh, Castor Holdings. It was, it was Castor Holdings, yeah. Um, anyhow, that, that's all public. I'm not saying anything private, but it was, it was the long, idiotic long trial, but this is pretty bad as well. Six month, seven month trial. Okay, now, hold on. This one I know about, Robert. We're moving on to the Good Samaritan case. (laughs) The Good Samaritan or vigilante reckless discharging of a firearm criminal. Um, This is in New York again. Same same area, same same city, same metro system where you had Daniel Penny holding down Michael Jackson's uh, younger twin brother, innocent, beautiful man, never violent, never nothing. Guy ends up dying, and then Daniel Penny, I think is his name, um, ends up charged with 
second degree manslaughter. I forget what it was. Uh, this is this is a woman going through the turnstile, getting uh, mugged by a homeless person who says, "Give me money, or I'm going to steal your purse." A um, innocent a bystander who happens to be concealed carrying, maybe not lawfully so, fires off a couple of rounds. We haven't seen the video, so I, I don't know if he like fired, you know, in the direction of crowded people or down into the metro station rail, whatever. Uh, scares the guy off, saves the woman from the unknown, and is now uh, has been arrested and charged with, I think, I don't know what he was on, $10,000 bail, whatever. Uh, reckless discharge of a firearm and unlawful possession, I, I think. I, I mean, I know where you're going to go with this, but they're making it so that you have to sit there and take the beating, like, um, what's his face, Klaus said during uh, Rittenhouse's trial. Yeah, and in, in, in New York, particularly problematic. The um, A lot of people don't know, because it's counterintuitive, that warning shots are generally considered the exercise of deadly force. I've never really agreed with that. You know, maybe Bronca has a more nuanced take than I do on it. Uh, I've never, it's it's counterintuitive to me that a warning shot is deadly force. The very nature of a warning shot is that you have the capacity of deadly force, but you're not exercising it in the warning shot. But the law generally holds a warning shot is deadly force. I guess theoretically, the if you misfire it, I mean, I get it, but I just, uh, so that's his problem. His problem is that in New York, a warning shot is deadly force, and you can only, in New York, use deadly force if you're being threatened or someone else is being threatened with it. And it'll be hard to say that the homeless man setting up that bogus operation to steal people's money, and in this case, trying to steal her purse, presented an imminent risk of deadly force to that individual. So it's, uh, you know, unfortunately, legally, he doesn't have any apparent defenses. Practically, he does. Politically, he does, just not legally. So he'd have to get the right jury pool, uh, the right public opinion reaction to have the case not progress or proceed further. But a lot of people don't know that, that basically in almost all contexts outside of states with very broad self-defense rights. Uh, now, my view is the Second Amendment actually is a self-defense right, not just a right to bear arms, but a self-defense right. And I think that that it all self-defense should be interpreted constitutionally. And that it should be broader than some of these states have allowed. That self-defense is not a privilege, but a right uh, that the states can't e so easily incur upon by claiming they created it in the first place. But that's not something that courts have yet accepted to be the case. There's grounds for it. And I've been arguing it in more cases, but probably take more time to get more courts to re-examine re their theories about self-defense. But in the interim, the practical problem is that you're very limited in what self-defense you really have in a lot of these states. There was a, a tweet that I had to independently verify where it said the woman uh, was traumatized by the man using the firearm and wished he hadn't done it. And it was not that far off. I, this is from TheMessenger.com, so I don't know what this, this outlet is. But they're reporting <laughs> that the woman rescued by armed hero on subway wishes he hadn't used a gun to save her from would-be attacker. No, no, he should use um, his words. And when he gets stabbed in the neck and bleeds to death in a New York subway, well, at least she got her purse. I, I can understand the idea of you, know, you, you fire a warning shot where? Through the ceiling, people could be walking upstairs. Through a wall, you don't know what you're hitting. Ricochet hit an innocent bystander. And, and, and I could see the, under certain circumstances saying that the me particular method of a warning shot was deadly force. My problem is they consider any warning shot deadly force. So if you're out in a field and somebody's 10 feet away and you shoot up in the air over there, 
deadly force. Yeah, it's like, well, well, that, that makes sense to me. That bullet's got to come down, and it can come down on somebody. I understand the rationale. Well, right, body... but if you got open field, right? Boom, you shoot over there. I mean, in those, I think it has it should be fact contingent. Yeah, and well, absolutely. I mean, uh, well, one thing we were taught in our in my firearm safety course: if you don't know where the bullet's landing, you can't take the shots. Right. Uh, so yeah. you know. Yeah. But, there's but, good logic behind that it's yeah. just counterintuitive to a lot of people i mean someone using a warning shot is trying to de-escalate force and yet we accuse them of escalating force. no i know it's, it's not like it's not like firing into a field just for shits and giggles it's this there's right. a, this woman might get assaulted who knows and this is the immediate lesser the of the risks we pulled the gun clearly that wasn't enough yeah for it it was only the the warning shot that backed the guy yeah. off Everybody in the chat and Rumble saying, "Don't, don't white knight." I mean, this is why. Like, I'm not, I'm not a coward. It, it, there's gonna have to be some serious reason to intervene. But give, give, give him the freaking purse, okay? Give him the purse, because otherwise no, you're I mean, all. I mean, that, that's the consequence. That's why you see people in New York subway turning a blind eye. Well, some that's like the 1970s. Yep. Where and it got so bad, you got Bernie Getz shooting people up and getting acquitted because the public was so tired of it all. Oh, there, there in was New York, a, it's just getting worse and worse and worse. Where was the video of the 15-year-old kid getting beaten by a group of kids? Uh, there was another one. Like You see these people, like a guy's beating his girlfriend on the street, and people like raising their hands and just walking away. It's like, oh, it's what like was the... China. China does that. Yeah. But, you know, it's now becoming... Because you're told if you intervene, bad you're going to jail. To you. You're going to jail, period. Yep. All right. Well, we covered the Trump ballot case. Uh, what is it? What is it? We're gonna. We, we've already talked about the Trump, but the Trump curse. It doesn't. It's 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 almost uncanny. People who are filled with hate for Trump end up getting screwed at some point in time. It happened to Alec Baldwin. It happened to some football player. Well, I forget who. Now on the list, Robert De Niro. Although I guess it was his production company and not him personally, but just got sentenced to pay a million and a half bucks to an an ex employee who they fired. Uh, after she started complaining about work conditions, you'll you'll correct me if I get something wrong here. Uh, she was complaining that Robert De Niro is a misogynist, verbally abusive, psychologically abusive asshole. And who would have thunk that someone who is vitriolic and angry would also be tough to work with? I mean, who would have thunk? And so, uh, what happened? What was the order of things? She quits, claims retaliation. The the production company sues her, says that she was stealing money off of and, and stealing like that she was misusing her corporate credit card yeah. and uh stealing like airline miles air, air miles i mean who you're gonna steal you're gonna steal something better from robert de niro turns out robert de niro is a verbally abusive jack jack and with and she had the receipts to prove it he called her a, a, a bitch all sorts of names she got awarded a million and a half bucks it's, it's from the production company and not from de niro himself yeah but that's kind of you know that's he i think they they have plenty of money because they probably control the funding of the way things work, uh, depending on whether it's his leasing company or something else. There's always a chance they don't have resources, but usually they do. Well, it, it's it, it's you know she said that he treated her like his office wife, and that's a lot of person. You know, it, it's you have all sides here. You have you know the the Trump curse. You have a denier. You have another Hollywood celebrity who's used to doing whatever he wants. You have that part of the narrative. You also have a narrative of a sort of entitled millennial. Who thinks she deserves, uh, you know, much better treatment or pay? That somehow, for example, it's gender discrimination to uh, use curse words to describe someone. Like her being described as a spoiled brat somehow was gender discrimination. I was like, mm. but it's a classic millennial, right? This job is so hard, and you are so obnoxious. I deserve a million dollars for having to work with you. You know, it's that kind of routine. 
So you have both narratives being told in the same courtroom, and it's New York. So Bobby likes New York. Well, congrats, Bobby. Now you're writing a seven-figure check to that spoiled brat. Well, in, in fairness, this is Robinson's attorney, Brett A. Hannafan, said his client wouldn't have been mistreated if not for her gender. Fine. I, I say why it's just like the gender thing is easier to sell, but no, nobody if should. If the guy be... was if the if she was a guy and it was also a jerk, it would have been the same kind of deal. You know, the fact that she was a woman had really nothing to do with no, it. No, that's the thing. It's like he showed her this I'm reading from the article, Courthouse News Service. He, he showed her he showed the jury messages in which De Niro referred to Robinson as a bitch, nasty, and as a fucking spoiled brat. I mean if, 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 if unless De Niro's referring to her as that to somebody else and she somehow found it, that's different than if he called her a spoiled fucking brat. It's not gender. That's just, that's verbally abusive. And if you're an employer, you can't do that, period. Well, not in New oh. York, you can't. A lot of other places you can get away with it. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're used, it's, it's the combination. Hollywood stars misuse and abuse their assistants all the time. Millennial assistants have a sort of delusional, millennial employees have this delusional perspective of what they're entitled to. It managed to meet itself out in court. And uh, De Niro gets the uh, benefit of his, uh, uh, what, you know, the benefit he may not want of being a Me Too Democratic champion. Well, uh, let's see what that looks like when you're in front of the courtroom. It's you writing seven figure checks. That's what looks when like. I when I heard he was, she was his office wife, I was expecting something other than someone to verbally abuse and give menial tasks to. I was, I was, I was thinking maybe they had an affair, but I'm just a, I'm a young schnook. No, there's none of that. He <laughs> likes the, uh, he likes Amazonian women who go whoops, whoops, whoops. Robert, uh, he, like, he likes to be on the receiving end. I remember the moment I learned the word coprophagia with Mark Grober. He says the word of the day, Viva, is coprophagia. I was like, what's that? Look up coprophagia. I'm not even going to say it. Oh, okay. So that's been on that list for many, many. But I didn't realize he. I guess he's divorced again. I guess. I, I thought. Uh, I thought his third wife was just taking him dry. Well, Robert, did, did you? I mean, you saw. I don't know if you saw it because it's not really worth um, much. On uh, it's what it's worth. What it's worth. But I woke up to somebody sending me a, a DM about an Instagram post of a video of me on Alex Jones is talking about how solitary confinement is torture. It was um, Phil Demers, the walrus whisperer, who sent it to me. And it seems that I'm on Alec Baldwin's Instagram page. And he now follows me, but he posted this. Hold on, how, how do I do this? Where's the audio? Here we go. Oh, here. confinement in confined spaces. You want to see torture? Go look at... She's no longer there because she died. Lolita at Miami City. Banned video. So, Alec Baldwin... Yeah, well, and, so, uh, Alec Baldwin is sharing your videos. He's, I don't think he knows it how he's going to get canceled for this. Not only did he share my video, I haven't said the nicest things about Alec Baldwin. A fair, but fair, but mean, or I should say harsh, but fair. Now he's sharing Alex Jones. I don't know that he knows it, but good for him for sharing a, a, a truth thing to go after the Miami Sea Aquarium because they deserve to be bankrupt. <sighs> All right, what, Robert, what's the next one here? Hold on, it was uh, De Niro. Ban and appeal. Okay, so... What's the, what's the news? Bannon was convicted of contempt of Congress for failing to re abide by the um, oh the what's January twentieth committee the, the subpoenas. Uh, was he sentenced? Did he get sentenced? I forget. I, I think no. He has a motion for new trial pending, but his uh, appeal was heard before the D.C. Circuit. And I guess the main issue they were looking at. I, I mean, to me, the main issue in the case is whether the January twentieth committee had constitutional authority to issue subpoenas. I think that's the stronger argument. But they were, did he not get denied the ability to raise that argument? Yeah. And so part of the issue is that, uh, but all, from what I read, 
they were mostly focused at the appeals argument on the reliance defense. And generally speaking, the courts have not allowed a reliance defense on the contempt charges. So reliance defense is uh, you, you rely upon a professional to do what you do. Mm-hmm. So generally speaking, reliance is not a defense. It's uniquely a defense in certain fraud cases and in tax cases. So if you if a tax advisor tells you that something was legal to do, you're you can't be convicted as long as a jury concludes you actually relied upon that advice and you in good faith uh, relied on that advice. Sam Bankman Free tried to argue that the problem was part of a reliance defense. You have to provide all relevant information to the lawyer. And if you don't, then you don't get to rely upon the advice given if the uh, it, the lawyer didn't have all the uh, necessary information. Here in the contempt con- context, the courts have repeatedly ruled that you don't have a reliance defense, that you simply have to appear. Now, maybe you can assert privilege to a specific question and then they can adjudicate it thereafter, but you can't simply refuse to show up entirely and assert a reliance defense. So uh, I think that's going to be a long haul for them uh, in the appeals court. I'm not sure how much they're addressing what I thought was the more consequential question, which was whether or not this January 6th committee even had constitutional authority to issue subpoenas in the first place, given their Im- the uh, impermissible way in which they were formed and in violation of Congress's own internal rules to be a legitimate congressional uh, extension of, uh, of Congress in the first place. So, like, if, if somebody said, I hereby represent Congress and subpoena you, 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 you wouldn't be obligated to uh, re- respond to that subpoena. It has to be a legitimate congressional subpoena. And that question was one I that apparently wasn't discussed much at the appeals court. So I don't know if something changed or that just where they focused. But uh, that, to me, is his better argument on appeal. Then he has all the arguments for a new trial that are based, that are still pending before the trial court about all the misconduct that took place during the trial. Well, so, and I, I just wanted to, I'm, I'm looking for the word defense, but it says, um, can't present evidence that he relied on those internal Justice Department opinions. That's fine. I thought he was, I thought he was estoppeled from raising that defense. He was, he was. He, he was prevented from presenting any actual defense at all. Yeah, well, they, 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 they Alex Jones, Steve Bannon, before they're trying to Alex Jones, Donald Trump. He, yeah. So he re, they rejected his argument that he was tra- entrapped by estoppel defense. Okay, great. It's nice to reject those. Just no. no I in think addition, that was a defense that he should have been allowed. In addition, the judge ruled that Bannon cannot present a public authority defense because Trump was no longer an official. Let's go down. And I disagree with that aspect, too. And that's that. And that's separate from a general reliance defense. It's it's, it's just funny to read this article. The judge also rejected Bannon's defense that prosecutors would need to show that he knew his conduct was unlawful, saying the prosecutors only need to prove that Bannon acted deliberately. And forget mens rea. And that and that's the problem. Yeah, they've gutted intent in so many of these cases. Intent becomes, did you wake up in the morning? It's a crock. Let's see what else they defend. What's the point of if there are no defenses? I remember, oh, I remember covering this in real time. In a mm-hmm. win for Bannon, Nichols said that the defense could present evidence of the subpoena to present evidence about prior subpoenas regarding this. Okay. He also ruled that Bannon would be allowed Bannon's defense team to cross. Oh, he could cross examine certain witnesses. Hallelujah. Testify. Okay. So scratch that. So um, when he wasn't get- allowed to subpoena a range of witnesses. Because he tried so, to subpoena Nancy Pelosi and others, and the judge denied it. Yeah, kangaroo courts, and they said it was the, the judge denied it. The, drug, the judge was a Trump appointee, if I'm not mistaken. I believe so. 
Yeah, that was like, that's how, that's how frivolous his claims were. It, it may be wrong on that, but whatever. That's, that's how they legitimize it. Um, so what's, and then, so what's the next step in Bannon's um, appeal now? That it, it's, they're going to sit on it and- uh, Yeah, they'll issue a, a ruling at some point. And in the, in the district court, will issue a ruling on his motion for a new trial. And that will separately go up on appeal. And all of it will ultimately, you know, the, uh, it, some part of it may get to the Supreme Court. We'll see. Because so see he raised he's... a lot of the different, you know, what happens when you have doubts about the legitimacy of a congressional committee? I mean, it's very unique. I mean, they, that typically is, that's very rare that this ever occurs. And they, and the courts should do a better job uh, putting that together than just deferring to the, to any committee that purports to represent Congress. And it says here, just this is pulling up from the Department of Justice, October 21, 2022. Bannon was sentenced today to four months incarceration and ordered to pay a fine of $6,500 on two counts of contempt of Congress, stemming from his failure to comply with the subpoenas, yada, yada. yada. So four months, a piddly four months, because now we've seen what, what they're doing with the two months to see, uh, to Owen Troyer. Two months, is he still, Robert, is he, he's still in solitary right now, as far as anybody Apparently, knows. Yes. Outrageous. It's outrageous. Which, and, and it would be one thing if it was solitary, it was solitary. The problem is the Bureau of Prisons uh, lady uh, lied to Congressman Gates. Uh, she said that nobody was being uh, punished because of their speech. Bullshit. It, it, and, and there's another case, apparently, where the same thing is happening. Somebody talked to the media, so they're punishing him. So, 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 so she lied to Congress or her own uh, staff are not following through on what she promised. And so hopefully Matt Gates and Marjorie Taylor Greene are going to try to get down to that prison in Louisiana to see exactly what's going on. Uh, the And and other people are, are trying to do what they can uh, for Owen's benefit. But it's the bigger problem is that if it was just solitary, that'd be one thing. They choose to make solitary torture and uh, by, by leaving lights on, not providing competent food, not providing competent bedding, things like that. You don't have to do it just because somebody's in isolation doesn't mean you have to deny them basic food that, that you have to keep the lights on all the time. You know, these are things you don't have to do and they do it anyway and they know it's torture. And yet, and it's because they get away with it. They get away with it because a lot of conservatives on the court and in Congress have written laws to say, if you're a prisoner, you don't have any rights, mm -hmm. which is against what the eighth amendment says. And it relates to why to our next case, a U.S. soldier argued the U.S. justice system is so broken that no European government can extradite. Uh, so I, I, I feel like I should know the names in this particular case. It's Lang versus the United States. It's a, a, a serviceman who's in, where was he? He was fighting in Ukraine. Wait, hold on, Robert. Was he fighting? He was fighting the Russians in Ukraine. Apparently got involved in gun smuggling or arms dealing. Apparently might have killed the person that they were going to sell the guns to apparently might have stolen the money from the individual that they killed um and then got arrested and the u.s made a, a request for extradition based on a broader set so they, they weren't going to extradite him like sam bankman freed and add charges later only to have those drop they added them before extraditing him he says don't extradite me because i'm going to spend the rest of my life in jail if i go back and get convicted which would violate my, I don't know, fundamental human rights, Article 3 of whatever, the UN Charter. It's the, is it the UN Charter? Um, European, it was a European convention. Sorry. Uh, and then bottom line, they said, oh, look, um, uh, th there's nothing in here is going to be violative of any extradition treaties, reg rules, and whatever. 
and we're going to extradite you. I, I might have screwed up a number of the facts in there. I had never heard of this story. I wanted to look more into the individual, but fill in the details that I might have left with that. I mean, what's I think interesting legally is a, a principle that I was trying to pursue decades ago, which is that there's a lot of international law, a lot of countries that have signed on to a range of conventions and treaties that I feel felt should be interpreted to limit the authority of any government to extradite a person to another government uh, when that other government cannot be trusted to follow certain core international standards of uh, legal practice, of, of individual rights and liberties, of uh, methods of adjudicating justice, etc. And the European courts have started to extend and expand in that arena by saying that their Article 3 that prohibits torture and inhumane conditions prohibits the death penalty, uh, prohibits... Uh, a a life in uh, imprisonment without any possibility of reducing it. And so they've said that they won't extradite if that's going to be the likely sentence. There's a real risk of it. Now, what they, the way they opt out of doing that, enforcing that, because this was an issue in Julian Assange's extradition as well, is they just rely on the lies of the U.S. government. The, the U.S. government say, well, well, we'll never do that. Of course, it's unenforceable. When the U.S. government gets people back here, they repeatedly and routinely flagrantly violate whatever promises they made to get the person here in the first place. And there's many instances of it. And I've encouraged people to put those instances together to document and demonstrate the unreliability and notorious dishonesty of the United States State Department and Justice Department in international proceedings. So the legal issue was that uh, they relied upon the same excuse to say that even though on paper, he's subject to the death penalty. And even though on paper he's subject to life imprisonment without parole, he didn't prove that the U.S. government will necessarily do either. And so consequently, we'll just take the U.S. government's word at it and we'll approve the extradition. Well, doesn't that matter as to whether or not he's convicted and then sentenced? So they're like they're two steps ahead of making that determination? Yeah, the, what it is is you have to show there's a real risk of it. And clearly there's a real risk of it. It's on the books. Pre- <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they just pretended otherwise. They said the U.S. government said, oh, there have been plenty of times where that doesn't happen. Oh, okay. That 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 doesn't make it real. Reduce it to real risk. It's a court not wanting to say that for what what it is is, for example, they would use these kind of proceedings to justify not extraditing people to Russia, not extraditing people to Iran, not extraditing people to governments they don't like to China. And the problem is, if you want to apply the same standards, you can't extradite to the United States either. When your grounds are the death penalty or life imprisonment without parole is uh, when when there's mitigating circumstances in the case of life uh, imprisonment without parole and mitigating circumstances not necessarily considered. If you say, hey, we can't that that makes you an inhumane country and they want to grandstand on this. They want to grandstand and say, China, Russia, you people, Iran, you people are horrible. Well, the problem is the U.S. has the same principles. And so that that's where they get caught with the uh, revealing the, their hypocrisy and that, you know, the, in the, the rules based international order, there are no rules except the golden rule that he who has the gold rules. Um, and that's their that's the flaw that that's the hypocrisy that it exposes. The, now, these cases could be better litigated. He could have articulated in detail all the instances where the U.S. government has notoriously ignored treaties, ignored extradition restraints, ignored due process provisions, used some of these high-profile examples that 
even people convicted of misdemeanors. For example, solitary confinement under the terms Owen Schroyer is currently in violate the international custom against torture and inhumane treatment. Right. You know, the, you cite all of those examples, make the government pay a price for its abuse of people's liberties and rights. And uh, now I would say there is clearly a deep state backstory here. This guy was connected to going into Venezuela to overthrow that government connected. To, he's a former U.S. soldier without a lot of detail that suddenly shows up in Ukraine in 2015 on and off between then and 2019, then and then is back there in 2021 after being in Moldova, and in between he was going to go down to Venezuela, and he's connected. So there's a deep state backstory we don't know here for this guy to even be on anybody's uh, uh, radar screen. This is what I was trying to look up, but I didn't have enough time. But like, also, what you don't find it? It's not out there. There's a hidden story that's not being reported. But why was he not charged in Ukraine? Like, why are the Ukrainian authorities not going after him? As I'm saying, it's a U.S. It's a U.S. He, he uh, is on the wrong side of some internal deep state battle. <laughs> I love it. Okay. <clears throat> I don't want to get too far into it because I don't know what the hell, like, where it could possibly go. But there, I, I'm looking at this like these names have to be a little bit. Uh, they have to have a longer history that I'm aware of because I have only heard of it for the first time today. Okay. Well, we'll see where that goes. Robert, what, what's the next one we got here? Uh, oh, the, the young, young thug. thug. Speaking <laughs> of thugs in trials. I, I don't even understand what the legal question is here as to whether or not rap lyrics can serve as evidence in a trial of, of Rico, intent. whatever. Yeah. Well, imagine you're accused of racketeering and criminal gang behavior, and they're going to use your rap lyrics against you. Well, but, but, uh, Robert, I, so I, I mean, that, that, I don't know who the rapper is. It's YSL Young Slime. Well, his name Life. is Young Thug, so that probably doesn't help him much. But, like, I, I don't understand why this would even be an issue. It seems that it would be more a question of probative value and argumentation than admissibility. The, the rap lyrics are out there. I don't know what the hell the rap, rap lyrics are. I've never, I've never heard of this guy. I'm not going to listen to his music. Uh, it's not like Machine Gun Kelly that made an awesome Eminem diss track that I listened to, but so so he he raps about alleged Rico activity, and they want to allow as evidence the rap lyrics of intent, and they say no, inadmissible. But why wouldn't it just be a question of obviously the rap lyrics are admissible, but the probative value is what's at issue here because the rap lyrics are public, the jury can know the rap lyrics and then adduce what they want. What's the legal issue in terms of? admissibility probative value of rap lyrics out of court as evidence for intent for rico activity accusations in court i mean it's really about the uh degree it's part of partially it's rap culture being put on trial and the the is the sort of cultural broader issue the legal issue is really a rule 403 under the federal rules of evidence analysis and its analogous provisions under the state evidentiary codes which is when is uh, evidence that's probative, that has some, that makes a fact at, in dispute in the trial more likely to be true or not. That's the relevant standard, materiality standard. To what degree uh, does its un, is there unfair risk of prejudice, confusion, cumulative evidence, et cetera? Mm-hmm. And it was what's the likelihood the jury draws an inference from this rap lyrics? that is uh, more prejudicial than probative. In other words, they say, I don't like rap lyrics or I don't like rap music or, you know, something. So it's figuring that out. Uh, You know, when does your art become evidence against you? Number one, is the art itself kind of being put on trial? This is a rap subculture that pretends it's legit for the purposes of getting musical credibility. 
and marketability. And it's being legit means you're really from the street, that you have street cred, that you've got shot or shot other people, that you're tied to gangs. And what's interesting is even though rap music arose primarily by being funded by actual drug organizations and gangs in a range of cities, its recent incarnation has been middle class black kids who don't have any actual connection to gangs pretending that they do in order to gain marketability of their of their art. So you have this weird connection of art and an actual lifestyle, a criminal lifestyle in this instance. And the question is when and how can it be used to indict you and and used as and to imprison you? Uh, and where's the limit? When is something art? When is it when is it not art? And I think uh, the, the problem here is the unique subculture is what made the relevance of the lyrics more material and more probative than it would be in, say, the Like, if you had somebody who shot their wife and they have some song somewhere, country music song about shooting your wife, you would say, hold on a second, that, that, that's really not necessarily relevant. I, I wouldn't. <laughs> I would say right. it's, it's like O.J. Simpson writing, if I had done it. <laughs> uh, he's still innocent, by the way. The... Uh, 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 but yeah, so I think so. It's an interesting case. It's going to make an. When, when I think they're still in jury selection in that trial. I think they're like in month eight or something of jury selection. <laughs> All kinds of weird things have happened in that case. So we'll see what happens. But to a degree, it's putting an entire subculture on trial because that subculture chose to be legit to get their marketability in the first place. Robert, this is what's amazing about the internet multitasking or as some would say just being distracted let me just make sure i can bring this up here here we go um the question is do we have any updates on owen schroyer 1776 what's the latest jack poso who's who's following it and i tagged owen schroyer we're live with barnes poso says last i told still in solitary owen schroyer the account being managed by people outside he is scheduled to talk to his attorney this coming tuesday we're hoping his phone privileges are reinstated the same day we will have more information then trust me we wish we had more Thanks for asking. So that's it. Nope. Uh, of course, because he's, uh, he's, 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 he's fucking, he's Jeffrey Dahmer. He's Charles Manson, solitary. And it makes sense. And, and really, this method of solitary shouldn't exist. There's no reason why it needs to exist. Yeah, and, and what I mean by it is, you know, the, 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 the lack of basic places to sleep, the, the constant light, the lack of quality food, right? You, you, can, you can have isolation without the method of solitary that we do. And we do it deliberately to torture people. By the way, to give you an example, years ago, the federal prison system did studies to determine whether or not people visiting their children, minor children, what effect that had. And it turned out it had a negative effect. But psychologically, it, it disturbed the inmate uh, when they interacted with their minor child because it reminded them of the horror of, of them being inside and separated from them. And it led to them behaving worse rather than better. So you know what the Bureau of Prisons did? They took posters reminding parents of them of your missing child all over every federal facility. Right. I mean, the, the, this is the people who run these facilities are Shawshank Redemption people. They, they like to torture people for the sake of torture. That's the reality of it. And the people on the right have been in denial about it for a long time. And they're now just witnessing it in real time. It's unbelievable. I mean, I'm just reading Space Johnson says for a short stint, wouldn't he rather be isolated? I guess it, no, it, not in solitary. Nope, not at all. No, it's, it's, because again, it's just basic. You can't sleep, and you get no, no food of any kind, and and uh, and there's nothing to do. 
right? It's literally just torture for 30 days. Well, and and now that you mention it, I'm going to bring it up right now. Imagine me put in a closet with light and no food. With, with light, no with food. With light and- constantly on you, so you, you can't get to sleep. No socialization, no way to recognize where you're at. Um, you know, if, if, you, if you don't think it's bad, try it at home. It's I, I couldn't go to camp for a month with friends and, and wonderfulness and the open nature because I missed home so much. Um, okay, I'm going to bring this up because I want to actually see where it's at now. Chris Lysak, this is one of the coots for, by the way, started the campaign for his legal defense on talking about torture, solitary confinement, political prisoners. This, Canada has their own and nobody should forget about the coots for. And at the risk of not naming the four, I'll just talk about the one who's got his own now independent uh, give, send, go for law, legal fees. When we started this, and I hadn't brought it up yet, it was at 142000 What are we at now? They're try- uh, so, it's, so it's still under one forty-two, but it has $500 more. They're trying to get to one fifty. I suspect the law firm is going to take the mandate at 142000 of a retainer. Uh, but if anybody can go and if you can't give, at least share, and I'll give the link so everybody can share. That's Chris Lysak, one of the coots for... Pre-trial detainment in remand for damn near two years now. Um, and some of them have been in solitary. They go in and out depending on their COVID status and whatever, punishment, whatever. Uh, I spoke with Chris the day of the third RNC debate for our prison allotted 20 minutes. And it's heartbreaking, period. So I'll give everybody the link if everybody can you know, share, donate. Um, but share if you can't donate. That's it. Okay, Robert, my blood pressure is not go- it's not going down. I asked Marion to get a, a blood pressure thing so I could make sure I'm not I'm not walking around with constant hypertension. I'm not. But what's next on the list to not give me the we hypertension? We got a couple of AI cases <laughs> in, the, in in Michigan football is what's left to wrap uh, up. Th- the Michigan football, I I'm I'm th- I'm there with Mar- my wife and I say I'm out. I I, I don't <laughs> anything about football. I'm not interested in the AI. Okay, we'll start with talking about raising blood pressure. Uh, a 16-year-old girl on Snapchat in high school sees a bunch of nudes of her on Snapchat, or at least gets made aware of it by the school. I don't know how it exactly works. I don't know who's getting sued. You'll fill me in. But bottom line, they're now using AI-generated images to fill in the blanks on what is otherwise, and from what I understand in whatever state this is, I forget, still criminal activity. In Canada, you cannot have cartoon depictions of underage intercourse. That qualifies as CP. Child pornography. Um, it sounds like it's the same situation here. You can't share these AI-generated images around, and there's going to be a whole new slew of legal questions as to what's going on. But uh, a girl in high school finds out on Snapchat some dude has posted AI-generated nudes of her. At first, she was sad. She gets angry. She says, "I'm going to take steps against this." Um, and I forget the legal status. I just remember being outraged by the actual factual basis. What's what's going on with it? Yeah, so I mean, I mean, the issue is other than the underage component, which which you're right may present some legal remedy. The parents were shocked to find out that this even happened at the school, and and that the school hadn't disclosed all details. And the other component was that there was no apparent remedy beyond what you mentioned, whether or not it fits under the certain definition of of uh, child pornography laws or obscenity laws, because it's uh it's because it's deep fakes. And, and this is AI in general. What to do about deep fakes? When do deep fakes cross over into invasion of privacy? When do deep fakes cross over into uh, issues of right to publicity of your name and image, your name, image, and likeness? We've discussed this in the Owen Schroyer Twitter case. Uh, 
where you know we've sued the individual pretending to be Owen Troyer, who obtained a, a verification as if he were Owen Troyer, and then in uh, in so doing, the reasons why it's an actionable suit is Owen has a right to publicity control the publicity of his own name, image, and likeness. In addition, he has a property interest uh, in his own account and in other things that can come about related to people who think it's him. This, this, by the way, just, just to show this in real time, I know the person follows me. I, I was following them because I thought it was the real Owen Schroyer. This is the account. I, I showed it before, actually. I'm so exhausted by this joke. Now I have to fight for it. Incredible. The free speech Patriot Infowars are suing myself, X and Elon, over this joke. Uh, maybe um... this is the first time he's admitted it is a joke and it's still not even clear right he could just put parody account this is what musk himself said mm -hmm. said you know put parody account if you want to be identified as a parody account and you'll be protected but don't pretend to be somebody else's account because that's theft that's theft of ident name identity and likeness that's theft of privacy that's theft of property so the question is that when ai is combined with someone in this manner when is it an actionable item and, 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 the, and uh, against whom though against and against whom? whom exactly so here you got a teenage boy that got a little creative you know the uh uh now i think you're right the underage aspect may pose real problems for him in ways he may not have thought about when he thought he was just having a fun little prank um but the the but for those that are not underage what what can be done it's not clear yet the law is not developed around ai enough to figure out what is a deep fake what is, uh, for example, if it's clear parody, it's going to be protected because that was the Hustler case where they made it look like Larry Flynn was sleeping with his mother. And uh, I mean, not Larry Flynn. I mean, Larry Flynn made it look like Reverend Falwell was sleeping with his mother. Falwell was not happy about that, of course, and brought suit. <clears throat> uh, the Supreme Court said, no, that's completely protected parody. Uh, you get to do that um, as long as it is parody. Like the mistake of the guy stealing Owen's account is he didn't make clear it was parody. We wouldn't be suing, but for the fact that he keeps pretending he's Owen Troyer. And even now he only indirectly references the fact that he is not actually Owen Troyer. The, uh, and so the, the, that's going to, but the, the, like, for example, is it invasion of privacy if it's not actually your body that's well, being that, shared? That, that's what, like, we say AI and it's like, Oh, these wonderfully indistinguishable AI generated images. You could slap my face on Peter North is bought Peter North. Uh, uh, anybody's going to know the, a porno actor. You could slap my face and just make it look integral, except for one major difference. One person on earth would know that it would be totally wildly inaccurate, but like, ha, ha, what's the difference Robert, between AI and just a good Photoshop? Right. And then, exactly. And, and, and that's the, the, to my knowledge, unless it's seen as real and it can be considered defamation, there's no currently available. Yeah. It's like revenge porn in this show. Yeah, yeah. It, like there wasn't clear laws to when it applied, how it applied, if it applied. So there's probably what's coming is probably deep fake legislation that will need to protect parody in the process. And as long because parody is First Amendment protected. So as long as they protect the First Amendment aspect of it, they're probably going to need to because of examples like this, where you know teenage girls. You know the because uh, uh, apparently people thought it was actually them. Yeah, well, no, because not it, it's, not a, an AI version of them. I can imagine it's very very easy to take a young person's body, slap on a head, blur the edges, and and then it's true, like defamation. It's factually incorrect. People are sharing it as correct, and that would be that would be where your damages are from. But from the child pornography aspect, and I do, I mean, I have a 
very honest and frank relationship with my kids. People have to know you can't even open these images. You can't even right. engage in sharing them because it could be borderline, if not outright, criminal activity to do it, especially, well, especially on jurisdiction. So uh, what is she doing, though? Is she suing the school or is she suing well, the parents? The parents the are really upset uh, of the different kids. But what they were frustrated about is they said in talking to people, there was no apparent legal remedy. Uh, and so that was the, and so you'll probably start to see legislation propounded. Yeah, or, or, well, especially they're young, criminal complaints against the kids' parents, the school, and then see where that goes. The if, question if is what happens when this, they start using this in campaigns. And what happens <laughs> when you start using this in evidence, in trials? <laughs> well, forget Somebody gets tricked by AI. Well, for, and forget forget Ron DeSantis in heels. You're going to have Ron DeSantis naked in heels. <laughs> um, all, all that to say, it's, it's bad. And... Um, yeah. Okay. Well, terrible. <sighs> okay. What's the, the, what's, the other what's big the other AI, AI case? Yeah. Is the software case. That's the one I'm not up to speed with, Robert. What's that one about? So the issue is you have a lot of open source software that's stored places like GitHub and elsewhere, and but there's open source licenses that require attribution and other things if you use it. AI, of course, can't isn't really capable of that. So you have these AI software coding programs that were just going in and grabbing this without attribution, without recognizing the license. So now there's a bunch of suits that have been filed by those open source license holders that are like AI has just routinely stolen our material without proper attribution and honoring the respect of the limits of the license. And this is very – remember, there's these, these lawsuits are taking place in the literary context, artistic context. Uh, other contacts because they uh, they've done this repeatedly, right? They've scrapped scraped all this material from the internet, and in the process they grabbed material that had potential copyright, trademark, or licensure protection. And here they brought suit under a bunch of theories. It's an interesting suit because it gets into like people are suing that haven't been injured yet or can't prove it. And it's like, well, what can they do? Can they sue? for privacy interests? Can they sue for potential property interests? Can they sue for future impairment? And basically what the court recognized is that you can seek injunctive relief if you have a uh, reasonable fear of imminent risk to your property. That's what injunctive relief has always been there. You don't have to prove you've already, your code has already been stolen for you to sue in advance. Um, they also, the question of anonymity came up because many of the plaintiffs are like, we want to stay anonymous because we've already received threats and our lawyers have already received threats related to this, this case from the trolling world. And the court properly recognized your right to sue in, in a pseudonym with a pseudonym, which was nice because a lot of courts don't recognize that and often eviscerate it. Um, the court also recognized that uh, that unauthorized use of your material is a separate action that's not preempted by copyright because that was the other issue. When does copyright preempt this whole area of, of, of AI-derived legal risk? And the court recognized that Copyright isn't meant to be all-encompassing beyond the issue specific to copyright. So a very interesting case to follow. It consolidated a lot of these cases because it's going to be another place where AI is just eviscerating not only the economic landscape, but aspects of our legal rights and remedies and what to do about it. And that, I mean, it's, you know, up next is, I mean, a lot of the Screen Actor Guild contract dispute uh, and strike was partially about limiting the scope of AI involvement and in, in replacing them as screenwriters. So, I mean, uh, also it was about the AI's capability of a different version of deepfakes. So a lot of times uh, actors would give their right for a limited purpose for their use in a film. Well, now a deepfake, they can de-age them and stick them in any, any project anywhere. 
And they were nervous about, okay, we want to limit what that right is. We want that to be a separate contract or separate. We want the separate royalty payments that would come from that. And then the film companies were saying, now nah, you actually assigned your whole likeness for that purpose. And now we can use it for whatever we want. And now we don't need you physically there. We can have an AI version of you play the role. Um, and so all of AI's radical change on the economics and culture is starting to have a legal impact in going to court. It, it sounds like it might be the beginning of some form of universal basic income where like, okay, if, if you get it, you can do whatever you want with it, but pay me 1% of royalties yeah. and then we don't have a problem. So de-age me and, and whatever. But now I might start, I might be, I might be beginning to sound a little bit too much like Joe Rogan. Um, that's cool. Okay. That's, that's very cool. Uh, the last one, the football, Robert. Okay. But, but hold on before we're going to give the link to Viva Barnes law dot locals.com one more time before the last it's not that i don't care about football but i don't care about football and when i start seeing that it's football and i and know you love it okay what's going on with this one so this is a coach of the university of michigan's football program jim harbaugh was suspended by the big 10 from being able to coach on the sidelines right before their big game this weekend against penn state then they got a big game to finish the season against ohio state that uh, could the national championship may be on the line ultimately and access to the playoffs that shaped the national championship. The issue is that uh, the big Michigan is accused of violating a conference rule Ste about sign stealing. So they interfere, yeah. they pick but up on the sign, scouted out the opponent and figured out stuff that anybody could watch live time anyway. So it's one of those kind of dumb rules. Because they get it's a rule, but it's a rule that's easily circumvented by other mechanisms. And so the question is what penalty should be there. And the Big Ten Conference waited until a holiday, Veterans Day, to issue the penalty so they couldn't get into court quick enough. So that he was he was suspended for the Penn State game. Didn't matter. Michigan won pretty comfortably anyway. But the big, the bigger game is the game at home in Ann Arbor against Ohio State in one of the biggest rivalries in all of sports, uh, which this year will have the Big Ten title on the line, maybe the national title on the line, Ohio State Buckeyes against the Wolverines of Michigan. And so he wants to be on the sidelines for that. So he they have filed suit, and there's a hearing this coming Friday before the game Saturday against Maryland and then the next game against Ohio State, in which they're saying their due process rights were violated, that there was a rush to judgment that the the harm of him not being able to be on the sidelines of being MIA in such a big game is an irre, irre, uh, irreparable injury, uh, according to the University of Michigan. <laughs> There's also all kinds of controversy because the lawsuits are filed in Michigan, and so many of the judges are Michigan fans and Michigan alums. So there's uh, allegations that they couldn't get possibly a fair verdict uh, the Big Ten Conference in the place with so many biased judges. It was interesting how many uh, legal comment commenters and journalists were focusing on where the graduate was of the uh, of the judge. It's like, huh? I thought uh, we were told that all these judges are magically impartial and beyond human bias. Uh, apparently not when it involves the Big Ten and the University of Michigan football program. Uh, if you're on one side or the other, you're excited about it, and then all of a sudden you read all kinds of tea leaves. But I think they probably will win their injunction and Harbaugh will probably be on the sidelines for the game against Ohio State later. Stealing signs? Uh, that sounds stupid, especially since if they're stealing signs and they injunct this guy out of coaching, 
he can just tell them what to do by cell phone. I, I don't know how that works. I, it seems like getting, uh, injuncting out expert opinion sounds ridiculous if he can just do it by calling in and relaying it to somebody else. But uh, Robert, so we're going to go now to locals, correct? And uh, we're going to answer some of the tips there. Hold on one second. I'm going to make sure everybody's got the link in here. What do you have? You, you've got like actual legal work coming up next week. What's going on? So, yeah, the I mean, we filed our opposition. Uh, Tyson Foods claimed that they're, uh, they didn't take an adverse action against uh, any of the Tennessee employees when they put them on uh, le- unpaid leave uh, because they first made the unpaid leave decision prior to Tennessee state law prohibiting it by just like 10 days or so, two weeks or so. The problem Tyson has is the U.S. Supreme Court dealt with this precise scenario after the Title VII laws were passed in the 1960s. And you had a bunch of employers that said, look, there might be some discriminatory impact now of policies we had before the laws were passed, but you can't hold us responsible for that impact, that effect, when our policies were passed when it was legal. And the Supreme Court said, no, that you don't get away with it. Uh, by continually harming your employees with discriminatory policies merely because you created those discriminatory policies before the law was passed prohibiting it because it was your policies that the law was intended to stop. And here, Tyson Foods didn't merely uh, didn't stop their notice, their unpaid leave lockouts of employees on November 14th. They left them locked out for a year. And now they're saying that's not an adverse action. Well, that wasn't taken. You know, it's hogwash. It's a ludicrous claim. And so uh, hopefully we'll uh, prevail on that aspect uh, before the court. And the so we're working on that, uh, working on some other cases uh, as, as well. The it may be on with Nick Ricada at some point during the week uh, with Megan Fox to talk a little bit more about uh, her case. Uh, if I feel a little bit better at some point during the week. Robert, I, I'm, I'm such an idiot. I accidentally just tweeted out vivabarneslaw.locals.com on a Salty Crackers live stream because I had it in the background. I meant to put it on ours so you can come to ours. But by the way, Salty Cracker is live right now. Hold on. L- let me, let me, in fairness, so I can make up for my own mistake, Salty Restream right here. L- let's see what Salty is about here. How, how do I get the, the volume? Are you kidding, man? I've seen the sharks with laser beams on their heads. I'm getting a rifle too. So I, I accidentally They're tweeted that out. Okay. Still in the house. His beard is beautiful. He's Thanks wearing glasses. Thank you. And now he's got alcohol. Support these guys over here, and get lit while you do it. <laughs> okay, Robert, we're going over to vivabarneslaw.locals.com. So uh, that's what's going on there. We on Wednesday night we have um, Amer- uh, not American history. X. History legends. Canadian history legends, American history X, history legends, same thing. Uh, what time? Seven o'clock. Yep. Okay. Awesome. The Canadian dude covering history is going to be amazing. That's Wednesday. Yeah, he, he does great breakdowns of the war, the conflict in Gaza, Ukraine, all over the place. So, yeah, it has a great channel. It'll be great to chat with him. Okay, amazing. And actually, before we go over to uh, vivabarneslaw.locals.com. I hope Salty's not going to be angry with me. I didn't mean to braid his chat. Uh, we got Mad Pierre says, Robert, can you recommend a lawyer with the interest and withdrawal to bring a case against the Veterans Administration? Thanks. Do you know anyone offhand? I mean, uh, there are some people that focus on that. 
Jane Catherine Barry Robert. My sister was a minor pop star in the UK about 25 years ago. There was AI-generated bios about her that include falsehoods and show her net worth in the millions. She feels at risk. Could she sue? Potentially, yeah. The Wired CP child porn laws are broken. Don't protect anyone actually to more harm than good, especially when you entangle actual children in them. See crime against children. Also, First Amendment protected. I'm not. That was from The Wired. Uh, Freddy sixty five. Give send go Sergeant Yetman. Oh yes, I meant to do that. That's Sergeant Yetman that Julie Kelly's been covering. I will share that again and I'll blast it out for the rest of the week. Give, send, go, Sergeant Yetman, January 6th, turned himself in to avoid FBI arrest. He turned himself in to avoid FBI execution, and he's smart for having done it. Thank God he's alive. That's from Freddy65. I'm going to blast that out after this. Kenzie67, thanks for supporting Chris Lysak. He needs so much help. 150K is just the retainer. 635 days in solitary. Give, send, go. We got it there. Free Owen from Galting. Hold on. Galting. Francis Montgomery Barnes, do you think that Judge Engron's summary judgment will stand if it is appealed? If Trump no. loses the appeal, what will be the long-term consequences of the property ownership in New York City? Don't be in New York. <laughs> Get the F out. Ginster C, newbie here and loving the chat. Thank you. And then we got it. Okay, now what we're doing, we're ending it now on hold on, hold on. This. We're ending it on Rumble. I'll be live tomorrow. If it's not tomorrow, it'll be Tuesday. No schedule. Hashtag FTW. Live streaming. I'm ending it. We're ending it on Rumble right now. Come on over to vivabarneslaw.locals.com or go over to Salty Cracker and say Viva and Barnes sent you. Ending it, and we're going over to Rumble Locals right now. 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 Done. Ah, oh, Robert. Okay, I think we're done. Crap, I didn't, mean to, I didn't mean to look like I was raiding Salty's chat to say, come on over to Viva Barnes Law. That's going to, okay, whatever. We'll see what happens there. He's no. always cool anyway. I know, but I, I will not sleep tonight regardless. I will, I will. We got Satoshi Ape. That's the, the, the Bitcoin thing. $10. Are, are there any big name American influencers that can shed light on our four hostages, Coots 4, and the sealed evidence of crime fraud Tighter than Jeffrey Epstein's client list. Let me tell you this. That's Chris Lysak, uh, defense fund. Nothing is tighter than Jeffrey Epstein's client list. Jeffrey Epstein? Yes, Jeffrey Epstein. Uh, not, nothing. Uh, Ryan PD 911 Hey, Viva Rumble must have updated the app. It looks, like, it looks good, but they are missing a share button. Please look into this. I'll send that to Chris right when we're done. Bill Brown. Do you need a hug, David? I think this was probably in the beginning part where I'm looking at a high symbol in between a woman's boobies while she's talking about toxic poison. Sorry, no medical advice, but this will be aired on YouTube tomorrow. Fuck you, YouTube, if you're going to give me a problem for this. Okay, Bill Brown, Uncle Sam's misguided children. Okay, thank you. Little Rock Attorney, That's I, we know who that is. I am at this new office. I'm thinking of accepting partnerships with partnership with however their internet is so slow i cannot watch the show it pauses every 30 seconds for up to a minute that's bad i i saw good i may change my mind if they don't update the internet that's bad that's a little rock uh ronald b five dollars nikki haley made eight million dollars since resigning as ambassador i covered it last week in five years that's a lot of money is that really an indication of being driven by money given the vast riches made by other rob what do you think about that 
She, well, she I mean, clearly had she driven by money. Eight I mean, million she, dollars. She had, most of her life, she had no money. I mean, that, that's if your point is she could make even more. Okay, the uh, <laughs> but, you know, I, I mean, it's it's uh, it, it it's just the degree of corruption rather than it's uh, the uh, the whether it's corrupt. She's clearly corrupt. She's she's just there as the spokesperson for the military industrial complex. I mean, Am she's I- getting paid millions without even having office or likely access to office. That's how ridiculous it is. Now, Scuba Jim, who we met in Vegas, says, Viva Fry, you did not understand high heels as a weapon. I didn't. What she's referring to is if a person in high heels stomps their heels into your foot, it's going to be very painful and may break your foot. Okay, I got that part. Actually, I was one step further than you, Scuba Jim. I was thinking testicles because I've seen a lot of videos on the internet. I'm not trying to be funny or crude. Women in heels stomping on people's testicles. I've seen a lot of terrible things on the internet. Uh, Jay Butters says, Ricada's roundtable of lawyers screamed at Megan. Holy crap. I just put two and two together. Won't say who sent me the link. People sent me the link of, and I'm not going to mention names because I'm not trying to make anybody look bad. People yelling at Megan Fox. I didn't even understand that that's what it was about. And I said to the person, I found nothing insightful about that. I found nothing entertaining about that. I found it all to be offensive and abusive. And I stopped watching. Uh, I'll read it. Jay Butters. Ricada's roundtable of lawyers screamed at Megan over the take care of Maya case, telling her she's not a lawyer and there was no medical malpractice. Is that how you see the case? I think we answered it, but I, I, I'd like... Nothing I mean, more. whether you call it medical negligence or you call it something else, very tough to prove medical malpractice in America, contrary to what a bunch of doctors and others will tell you. Um, doctors get away with it all the time. I'll give you an example. I was co-counsel on a case where a woman went in and got her tubes tied. Then she had got pregnant. Court still said the doctor was not, the jury still said the doctor was not liable. Was, was the pregnancy as a result of the surgery or just no No, uh, no I mean, it was just that clearly he didn't tire. She didn't tire. He didn't do what he was paid to do. Or or, or he, I, I'm not trying to be crass, or he assaulted her before tying her to Oh, no, nothing then, like okay, that. No, it, I mean, it was literally <laughs> the, uh, I mean, it was several months later. It just it. didn't work. It didn't work. It's like, it didn't oh, work I, at all. <laughs> and you think if, if there's any better example of, of, of uh, the doctor screwing up, that would be it. Not according to the jury. They're like, oh, no, poor doctors. They work so hard. They try so hard. This is why 10% of doctors are responsible for 90% of medical malpractice. But the doctors don't punish them and juries don't punish them. And 90% of the time, they never even get sued for it. So the the people saying this was not medical malpractice uh, are giving a deference to doctors they don't deserve. And then the other problem is, how do you explain the doctors billing for something, them telling courts and the parent wasn't they didn't do it. Yeah. I, I, I'm sorry. I, I, yeah. That kind of, once Megan told me that, I was like, oh, wow, they got him dead to rights. Well, but also, win that case. I saw the stream. I was like, once I, I did not find anything insightful or entertaining about what I found to be not gender abuse, just like not productive discussion. I didn't find anything good about it. Uh, no, no shade and no nothing. John B dash 80s music bernie gets was new york city's fault oh yes oh geez oh, production geez. of new york hold city. on a second you can come say hi can you read a super chat or a rumble rant or a tip are you dressed you're not dressed get out get a shirt on okay jeanette Vittori says what is your opinion on the claims that israel murdered its own citizens as a result of the hannibal protocol i've looked i've looked into the protocol not the actual 
I had three Orthodox Christians, person our sect, made this claim to me. It seems very outrageous to me, but the Mint Press director, Menar Adli, says Israel used the Hannibal Directive, which resulted in the deaths of Israeli civilians at the hands of Israeli soldiers and police. And the Hannibal lecture, the Hannibal Protocol, as far as I understand, is kill them so that they don't get tortured if they get captured. Mm. I, I, I've got no comment on it. I don't know what to believe. And I know that when I don't know what to believe, I will uh, refrain from retweeting or making public statements. Please cover the Second Amendment rulings. These are big. Robert Sergeant Willie said this. Yeah, we, I mean, we covered several last week. Yeah, I thought, I thought, unless there was something new between last week and this week. When, okay, you can come in now. Now that we're stopped talking about adult stuff. We got a, we got a child coming in. What, what, who's the child? Who do you think is the child? Well, I'm going to read it. In my own mind. Oh, shh, shh, shh. oh, oh did you? Uh, uh, have you ever seen the uh, uh, the chess board for uh, Harry Potter? Have you seen that chess board? Oh, hold on a second. Has he Take seen me. Harry Potter? Hold on, hold on. I, I don't want to be accused of leading a witness. Have you seen Harry Potter? Mm, I've seen some. I did not know that. That makes me angry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, I'm, I'm going to get... I'm going to get... Make you angry. Ah, it's a joke. It's a joke. We got M. Murph says, any new info? Okay, we got the Fifth Circuit. JC, $5. As a member of this board from the very beginning, I totally agree with Robert that everyone here is well above average, even the trolls. I'm just asking for everyone to please take a look at the Gifts and Go campaign I've set up for my family. I, uh, for a family I know in the Philippines that are really going through a very tough stretch and maybe throw a few bucks towards their way. Thank you. I'm going to I'm going to oh. open that up for myself for and, and later. We'll, we'll tackle the Fifth Circuit takings case next week. Okay, excellent. We got $5. Parents are also scared to be honest with their child's doctor when necessary out of the fear that the doctor will report them to CPS. That was my red line in the sand for uh, leaving Quebec. Bill Brown, Michael Irving outed his spoiled son trying to be a gangster rapper. I I I guess that's the case. Often wrong, John says Martin Armstrong had some interesting stories while in SDNY prison for contempt of court for seven years. Jeez, Louise. Suera says, Viva sidebar with Eva Vlar, please. I'm going to put it up. I'm not going to bring it up right now, but I'm going to open it. Bill Brown, that's a one doll. That's me as a oh. Freddie Mercury. Uh, federal judge orders trial for GA's Dominion voting machines. Robert, have you heard about that? That's from J30252. I mean, it, it's an ongoing, there's ongoing cases down there concerning access to ballots. And the Dominion machines have been subject to challenge since 2819, uh, actually. That case continues to progress as well. And we got grapes, $5. It's a meme. And it says, so 90% support a, a gun-free... I'll leave it for other everyone to read there. Denise and two. I understand the point. I just don't know. Earmuffs. Earmuffs, people. Denise and two. Coming in after the Cowboys destroyed the Giants. Catching up on the Rumble at 1.5 speed. That opening was disgusting. She should be ashamed of herself. Yes, she should. Pasha Moyer. Robert Barnes. Back on the football topic. What do you think of the former Tennessee volunteer and current Viking Josh Dobbs? We are just getting... We are just... Quite. We are just getting him here in Minnesota, but we are being godsend. Robert, what do you think of this? I don't know who this person He's is. He's a quarterback, a very smart kid, so people shouldn't be surprised at uh, his being able to pick up offenses quickly. His limitations on his physical skill set, but probably one of the highest IQ people in all of football. Ethan would like to show you a watch that I got on Canal Street. We, we I know we talked about this on, on Friday with Emma, the uh, – 
locals convo. Wait, someone in my school called Emma. This uh, Emma's Wait. a relatively common name, so you're gonna as long as we know that. I'm gonna go back to the tips and just make sure I, we get all of them. Yeah, That's Emma. Barnes with. <laughs> That's that? me with a wig. Okay, we got Kim.com has given a link to what is supposedly Jeffrey Epstein's include. Okay, so Kim.com has been good. He's included. Epstein's list is included phone numbers. Okay, and it's in there. Epstein's black book. I'll, I'll go check that out afterwards after I open Daddy? it right now. Quiet, you child. Get, get out of here. Go get out of here. Go say. Yeah, that's a guitar. Okay, a group of chiropractors and PTs won a clawback case in Tampa, Florida, district against State Farm Insurance. DeSantis should be passing laws to prevent insurance carriers from abusing medical providers in Florida instead of allowing them more power and the ability to abuse Florida businesses. That's from Sea Wave Drive. Harry po oh Harry Potter Harry Pothead posts pics here. Okay, I, I don't even know that that was that was a different one. Okay, until it's empty, it's three dollars. I want to read it. Uh, an entire world of doctors just created medical malpractice by denying treatment for a respiratory illness that turned into pneumonia, causing suffering and death. I know where you're going with that. Okay, I'm going to scroll up here. Raider Nation 53. Mainstream media has multiple accusations of Trump companies not paying vendors. Where can one find the true story? I have Googled and the interwebs do not have anything showing Trump companies side of the story. Robert, I mean, he would have been sued in small claims and whatever. Oh, like, sure. And, 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 you know, they've had plenty of litigation over the years, but not much of any uh, below normal for a company of their size and scale. That, that, that's one thing that I found amazing is like Eric Trump, not testimony, but interviews. Like we, we employ thousands and thousands of people. It's like, when Leticia James is wanting to shut us down, you're going to shut down a lot of people and bring them, you know, bacon for their family. But also, they're not involved in that much litigation. I, I can tell you smaller businesses involved in much more per oh, yeah. capita. Yep. Uh, let me see what we've got here. Okay, we've got pigs. And it's going to be Bill Brown. Yeah, it's Bill Brown. Here's a super chat he can read. Look at those little baby pigs. I can only see bacon. I can see bacon. I can smell bacon. Uh, we got Maria 36. Can an employer mandate the seasonal flu shot for a 100% remote employee? Robert? I don't think they should be able to, but you always have a religious objection that you can usually file if it's appropriate. We got revenge is a dish best served on a salty cracker. Said sad wings raging. So we finally get a what are the odds? That, oh, are we going to get a, a what are the odds this week from Ryan PD9? Probably not till next week. I'm just a little under the weather. All right, it says Feel Better Barnes is from AG Main 5082. Uh, thoughts on Eric Adams' campaign staff are being raided by the FBI for allegedly colluding with the Turkish government. Yeah, Robert, what do you think of that? Don't know what to make of it. What okay, oh, yes, sir. Finboy Slick. <laughs> Robert, what happens if I share the image myself? Can I sue the person who made it? <laughs> I'm just... I'm saving that as naked. <laughs> it says, you ask Viva and your above average community delivers. All I could do in this short time, I tried to keep it tasteful, but don't show it to Marion. She'll grow an unrealistic expectation. Oh, well, one, two, three, four. No, I got it. I got, oh my. That is, okay. I'll share it. She's a liar, says uh, Josie. Uh, Passion Moyer, Robert, back on the football topic. What do you think of the former Tennessee volunteer? We, we, we got that one, right? Yep. Okay. All right, go, Robert. You're not. You're under the weather. Sleep, rest, and be good, for goodness sake. Um, I'll be live tomorrow. If it's not tomorrow, it'll be Tuesday, Wednesday. I'll be live. We got a sidebar Wednesday night. 
Thursday, all week is going to be good. Nothing but good things. Okay, everyone, I'm ending it, and Robert and I are going to talk for a few minutes. Go enjoy the weekend. Peace out, everyone. <laughs>